Hey everybody, and welcome to episode six of the Scream Lords, uh, presented by the Screaming Brain. Um, as always, I'm here again this week with my two co-hosts, uh, Tim Fenoya. Hey. Uh, and Nicholas Rivera. Oh, uh, here it goes. <laughs> <laughs> is, is this going to be the thing? I, I gotta think. Yeah, I've been thinking of a new like thing to say every single time I'm introduced. <laughs> I, I've, like I. Whenever I listen to podcasts, I always wonder like when they do the introductions, and then there's always like the one guy who's like a hoy hoy and all these random things. And I think, can't these guys just say like hey? And then we get to these intros, and I'm like, I feel weird <laughs> saying hey every week. I need to come up with something else. See, it's just, I'm like, it, I'm one episode from a hoy hoy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the switch's perspective. I mean, at least Nick started started off really strong with episode one with the uh, hey Nick. I mean, it's gotten better. You're, you've escalated. Uh, well, with, with I, I like the uh, the hello everybody from Doctor Nick Rivera last week. I and mean, the one before that was um, Solid Snake with um, <laughs> kept you waiting, huh? Oh, was that what that was? I, I had no idea yeah. that one. Um. So anyway, um. So if you haven't listened to us before, um, we are a kind of uh, gaming pop culture podcast. So we talk about anything from board games, video games, card games. Uh, movies, books, comic books, uh, kind of whatever's interesting us in the great big pop culture sphere that is life. Um, so we start off every week with a little bit, a little segment that we like to call our 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 weeks. I guess I guess that's not really a segment name. Uh, somebody help me with a segue out of this. Nick, what'd you do this week? What did I do this week? <laughs> we uh, we finally we finally played terraforming Mars. So you actually played it? You got you got through we, the uh, learning demo part. We did. Uh, I liked it. Uh, split party. Not everyone does like really? it. It's a uh, little too much thinking, I guess. They wanted something more fun. This was like stri- very strategic. And you have to kind of plan your moves out far in advance. And I, I like that change of pace. Yeah, because I was going to say, this is kind of your first uh, real like resource management game. And it's definitely a little... I mean, I was going to say it's a little heavier on like the complexity scale, but... Mansions of Madness is a really complicated game, so it not is. it's it's just a little. I think it's a different kind of complexity, um, and maybe a little bit less like theme driven. Um, I don't know. So, who won your first game? I should ask. Um, I came in third, but it was a really really tight race, so it wasn't just a straight up like um, one person didn't just dominate. Mm-hmm. It was all pretty even until the end where it felt like the only thing I don't like is at the very end. It feels like Mario Party. <laughs> Losing is winning. Yeah. So you can, through the course of the game, you can elect to fund, um, what the hell do they call it, awards. Mm-hmm. And I opted for most metals and most thermal energy and someone stole it from me. Oh yeah. So I still came in second place, but that you know six point difference with me plus three and her minus three would have made a big deal, but that didn't happen. And uh, in some games, I kind of like the back and forth of that. Like uh, the classic example that comes to mind is the um, the the like the reward card for having the longest road in Settlers of Catan. Yeah, where you're just like the whole game vying because I think you only need I think it's five roads and then after that it's just whoever has the most so you're just kind of going Mm -hmm. back and forth trying to rob it from each other pretty much 
So it was it was interesting. Um, the other fellow I played with, his name is also Dave. Um, Son of a bitch. He, <laughs> he he enjoyed it a lot, and he wanted to play another round, but the girls wanted to do another game of Mansions of Madness. So <laughs> I decided I decided to flip it on them, and I told them, you know what, we'll play, but you're setting it up. Oh god, that's terrible. I originally I originally I wanted- thought. I originally thought you were going to say that they wanted to play something else because, like, Terraforming Mars was a little too long. <laughs> yeah, and, like, <clears throat> segue into another four-and-a-half-hour game. Like, <laughs> Terraforming Mars didn't take long, but it was a good, like, maybe maybe two hours, like, hour-and-a-half, hour, hour-and-a-half, I don't, I don't remember, but it was relatively short in comparison to some of the longer games mm-hmm. we usually play. But I was going stir-crazy by, like the first hour of Mansions of Madness and because I wasn't DMing it, it was kind of nice. I can just relax and I hate to say it kind of like skive off a bit. Yeah. I mean, I always, I always do like in Mansions of Madness when I don't have to control it. Yeah. It, it just takes that a bit of the weight off, um, where you can just kind of like, Oh yeah, yeah, you do it. And I'll like, I'll just, I'll just sit and actually just have fun and not have to worry about any of that part. Um, but I just wanted to go back a second. Man, I really want to play Mario Party now. Like, well, let, let me know how it goes. You, you don't want to play Mario Party with me, Nick? No. Tim, will you play Mario Party with me? I like you too much, David. That's why I don't want to play with you. Tim. I guess Tim doesn't want to play Mario Party. See? It's just... We have too much of a can camaraderie. You, can you not hear me right now? Oh, yeah. now I can. Now? Oh, there we go. Yeah, the uh, the new one comes out on the Switch on October 5th. Uh, I know Sarah and I have been keeping track of it because she saw a trailer for it during E3 and has really wanted to pick up the new Mario Party now. So we'll have it if you want to give it a shot. Wait, there's a new Mario Party? Didn't Yeah, Super, they, Super they Mario out, Party. Didn't, yeah, they come out with one for every console they make. Didn't they learn that they shouldn't make more Mario Party games? I mean, so to clarify, I yeah, yes, my I want to play Mario Party, but they're terrible games. I mean, I do they they are, um, but they're still super amounts of fun. I don't know. Um, do you know Tim? Are they? I for a while they did that whole mechanic where everyone moves together. Is that still a thing, or did they split it back up? Uh, to my knowledge, I think it is split back up. I've only seen like one gameplay footage video but it was of the mini games so i didn't get to see the board movements uh, um, but i'm pretty sure that it's like that now because i know like all the games are either free for all 2v2 or 1v3 for all the mini games mm-hmm. yeah, I, did, I did not like the last one that just felt so cheap i enjoyed being able to like control your individual self and go riding around the map in a single cart just kind of i don't know i felt cheated Oh, so that, yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. I remember when they made that switch. I was like, "Oh, this is really strange. I don't understand." I mean, I always liked Mario Party. Like, they're super fun. I mean, even though the the in the end, the winner is just purely decided by chance. Um, and like, <laughs> and just how how like aggressively um, competitive Mario Party can get, just because like you're, like you're getting in it like every mini game, like every little thing, like you're trying to win and like since you're playing all these mini games, it starts to get super competitive. And then like when you get to the last 10 turns and someone just gets an item, that's like, you get everyone's stars. It's just like, why, why am I playing this game? Why am I so angry? 
I remember ages ago when I was at um, your parents' house back when we were in high school. We were playing. You introduced me to Mario Party, and we were playing through, and I couldn't get the hang of the mini games. But at the very end, they gave me that mini game that was a dartboard that I win stars from other people, and I was just good at the dartboard, but not good at anything else. <laughs> so it's like I lose the whole game, but then I end up like coming in second or winning at the very end because I just steal everybody else's stars, which was great for me, but it's just like lousy mechanics. I mean, I mean that's the motto of Mario Party. Losing is winning. You just lose the whole game, stock up on whatever items you can, and then the last couple turns, they're going to give you a chance to win anyway. So it's just like, meh, you know, don't really care. Just get to the end and, and just ruin someone's day. It's like, yeah, I, I'd say it's virtual monopoly, but that's a thing. Um, it's like if a class in college took attendance at the end. So as long <laughs> right. as you just... You just show up before everybody files out, and you're just like, by the way, I'm here. I like to think it's not so much the destination, but the journey <laughs> to getting all of your stars revenge. <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't think about that. It's, just think about the fun you had getting here. Or, you know, and better yet, just, just turn off the game before they announce the winner. So then everyone just had fun, and it was a great time. I had by all. You know, you know, Dave, that star you stole from me, I had a lot of fun getting that star for you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, oh, Mario Party, I, oh, I had some good memories of Mario Party, um, such a fun game, um, yeah, yeah. And, and the new one looks cool, like, it looks great on the Switch, it seems like there's gonna be some fun minigames, um, so I mean, I'm not, like, super excited about it, but it's nice to just have another game for the Switch to kind of put in my back pocket to break out when either we have people over, or just something that, like, Sarah and I will play on the weekends when we have time. Yeah, I've always thought it was pretty fun. Um, but so, Nick, uh, you played Mansion of Madness. What um, what mission did you play, if you remember? Um, give me a minute. I mean, if you don't remember exactly, like if you have a synopsis of it, I'm just curious which one you're on. Crap, I'm actually really trying to think because like, we've played almost all of them at this point, so they're kind of getting harder. Oh, we had it. it they they picked the four hour mission. Oh, why would uh, like you yeah. you play terraforming Mars for like two hours, and then you go into like that's not you man plan your game nights get in a, like a filler to warm up like a little like twenty minute like maybe zombie dice or something, and then then step into the four hour mansions of madness. Like I feel like next you guys are going to be like hey let's do like a twelve hour D and D one shot and then play mansions of madness for four hours. Or do Gloomhaven followed by Twilight Imperium? Yeah, right. I mean that's that. I mean that makes sense to me. Yeah. Although, yeah, so the whole the the whole mission was we had to uncover a murder, but it was actually a really crappy mission. On top of that, I didn't like it because mm. it was so drawn out and there was nothing really. The map changed once, so um, when the map. Before the map changed the first time, it was like only one monster showed up. And it was just really slow getting to that point. So then once the second map happened, it was almost a reiteration of the first. And it was just so slow that by the time all the action picked up, you know, we went from full life and, you know, um, sanity to um, one guy died. And then we had that one turn to that's. That's the most brutal part of it. It's just, oh, someone died or someone went insane, you know, the second time, whatever. 
up, oh, game over. You have until the end of the next round. Like, great, we have four moves left, and to win the game, it'll take five every single time we play it. That's exactly what ends up happening. Wow, I've never, I've never had it come up where it was that close. Like, usually, like yeah. if we lose from a player death, it's usually like. Yeah, we were taking way too long, and we just you know you know they they started doing the random spawns, and it just got overwhelming. Yeah, the, the we found who was the murderer. She took a potion, and it turned her into uh, Loigor, which is like a massive centipede. Oh, and um, because she took a potion, we had to dis like not disable her, but um make her um we had a week in her which mm-hmm. basically meant take her take her down before we can give the potion to her and just with the amount of moves left even if we were to throw everything we had to her she had 40 hp we couldn't have done it in the turn that we had just kind of crappy so uh, was there like a centipede monster uh like miniature for her Oh yeah, I um they for Christmas or birthday with one of those they got me the um Streets of Arkham expansion. Oh, I was going to ask cuz like I was like, "Oh, I don't remember one, but I knew you had one of the expansions." Yeah, cuz the the first the base game comes with I think with the Star Child or something. Yeah, which is I I lo- I, <laughs> I remember being really pretty excited about the game when you're playing the f- I think it was like the first mission which was like 2 hours and like mm-hmm. the star child comes in just like right at the end just to chase you out of the house and I was like oh yeah. like that's that'll be interesting to actually fight them later on yeah so it's it was cool to see that thing come into play and it was kind of scary cuz it was actually following one of the NPCs the whole time <laughs> but she kept darting around the board so she always ended up having to dart around where one of us was so it's scary cuz like why you, don't come toward me don't come towards me no 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 and you have this big hulking thing that can big enough to tear down a house just by walking through it um yeah I, I, the first time the first time i played mansions of madness um and i have to say this this might be one of i'm not sure if this is something i dislike or like about it i don't know in hindsight i think i liked it um but like some of the 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 actions you take are kind of telegraphed. Like um, the mission I played, the the you walk into the house and you hear like a butler like yelling in like a side room or like the the clanging of dishes. And the first time we played, I was just like, "Eh, we can ignore him for now. I'm sure it's fine." Or like, you know, I, I don't want to go in there and fight the monster. Let's let's go do something else. And only to realize like a few turns later that I was like, "Oh, it was, it was pretty important to have gone and checked that out." I guess. Not always. I mm. um, we actually played a second mission that I played with two different groups, and one of them was like between each um, mythos phase. This girl is trying to create a potion, and you got to get her the ingredients to do it, mm-hmm. and then it'll progress the story. The first group was not able to get the ingredients for the potion in time, and she died, and then pretty much her body just on uh, on her corpse. She basically had the instructions for the next step. Which I thought was kind of amusing. Oh, interesting. So even if you screw up that first part, you still have the the potential to win. Although you're probably fighting an uphill battle at that point. Exactly. Yep. It was, it was okay. And then, you know, having to do the setup and breakdown again, I realized <laughs> that I, I really, really do want to get a 3D printer. What would you use it for for that? Well, with Imperial Assault, I had someone... Um, guy at work had one and it's not big to do like crazy um really cool creations that people showcase of but smaller things 
and w- some of those smaller things you can do is someone was smart enough to think of to do create trays and um, like storage containers mm. for Imperial Assault for Mansions of Madness and other games like that where there's a ton of different tokens and cards that you have to deal with and it would create a tray meant for those specific things. Like there's a ton on Etsy that have been already made, but they charge a lot. I'd rather just fork over the cash for the 3D printer and I can print whatever I want. Yeah, I was going to say, I know I, I've seen some. I, I, there's quite a few in particular just for Fantasy Flight uh, games. But like I know mm. like there's a company that does wood ones. Um, I've, I've seen some like hard foam ones as well, I think, for mm. Mansions of Madness. Um, but yeah, looking at like the Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition one, like it... Uh, I don't know, there's a couple different ones. There's a, a cheaper one that's like $25, but like the, the nicer one I'm looking at right now is 60 And it's like, that's that's an awful lot. Although, convenient. Yeah. She wanted, Rachel wanted to get like a, just a tackle box and put it all away, but like I'm looking at the price tags for just the tackle box alone, and I'm like, honestly, you're better off getting one of the ones meant for mansions that someone had made using the 3D printer, so at least then. And plus, too, with a game like Mansions, if I was going to get, like, a storage case, like a tackle box, mm-hmm. I, I would want to get one that's in the theme of, like, a briefcase or suitcase or something within the lore that makes it, like, look pretty on the shelf. Oh, yeah, that like, would actually kinda, be fun. Yeah, I'm, like, making your own collector's case, literally, so that you can keep everything together and organized and keep uh, help to break up and... Um, you know, just assembling the whole game, getting it ready to tear down and whatever. Yeah. Yeah, cause, like seriously, so, some kind of storage solution. Because yeah, like with my Mansions of Madness game, I I literally just, because Fantasy Flight Games doesn't know how to make inserts for a game box, I, you just literally just, all right, guess I'm going to just chuck these minis in here and layer things on top of them. Pretty much. Like Imperial Assault, I have it separated by expansion, and then when you open the main game box, it has just baggies on top of baggies on top of, like, all the miniatures that I painted, and it's it's quite the mess. Mm. Yeah, that might... Yeah, that, that could definitely help you out. And I'm sure there's a bunch of patterns out there that people have done that you can just print off without really having to modify much. Mm. So it's, there's a lot of customization you can do, and it's... I, I'm... It's a technology I'm willing to play with and test out. It's kind of expensive, but it pays for itself over time. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, there's always third-party companies you could use, like Shapeways. But I think at that point, you're going to be spending quite a bit just for the pieces. And it's almost like just, you know, if you were going to go with Shapeways and not have your own printer, you might as well just buy a pre-made insert. Yeah, pretty much. Yep, so uh, that's, that's my week. Uh, what about you, Dave? What did uh, you do? Um, so let's see. So I actually did have a bit of a week this week. Um, so the first thing, um, I had my brother and sister-in-law up for the weekend, uh, and we actually got in a game of King Domino, um, which is uh, a fun, light little game. Uh, plays yeah, plays in about fifteen minutes, eh, maybe twenty minutes. Um, and it's essentially if you took dominoes, like the classic domino game. Um, and turned it into a more strategy-centered game. Uh, so in King Domino, each person is playing as a king of their own kingdom, uh, and you are basically not bidding, um, but you are trying to obtain 
uh, printed dominoes of land features to add to your kingdom. Um, so there's like there's like swamps and plains. Uh, there's uh, an ocean, forest, and sheep. I'm not really the tile is has grass and sheep. I don't I don't know what to call it. I'm sure the game has a name for it, but I'm just gonna call it sheep. The sheep tile. Um, and you're bidding for these because you're trying to assemble your kingdom as if you're playing dominoes by matching, uh, you know, matching, matching sides. Yeah, words. Um, and by creating, uh, large areas of the same tile. Um, but what makes it more interesting than just playing regular dominoes, um, is that there is a variable turn order to it. Um, so rather than having all of your domino pieces in your hand, which are dealt at the beginning of the game, um, they are put out in front of everyone on the table, uh, in rows four at a time. And you kind of have like a, almost like an NFL draft. So I guess a drafting mechanic, that's what people would call it. Um, and, uh, so you're drafting these in order of kind of like the most valued to the least valued. Um, but of course that value changes for everyone, depending on how they're setting up their kingdom. Um, so you can take a, you know, a quote unquote less valued tile, which could inevitably give you first pick next turn. Um, so it's kind of this vying, seeing what other people are trying to build in their kingdom and then making decisions on, okay, well, do I need first pick next turn or is there something here that's worthwhile? Um, and all the while you're having to think about, you know, how much space do I have to work with in my kingdom? Cause you can only build into a five by five square and trying not to waste spaces by like getting stuck with like a really crappy domino, like the game I played. Uh, I ended up getting stuck with a domino that was double sheep, and I had no sheep whatsoever in my kingdom, and it ended up just being essentially three totally wasted squares uh, that hmm. that did me no good whatsoever, um, just because like I screwed up the draft, and I ended up getting a late pick on a turn where there you know there wasn't much for me to get, so you know my I think my sister in law saw it and was like, oh okay, I'll take this because then. You know, you have last pick, and I know you can't use this, so it'll just kill you on points. And I'm like, ah, well, yeah, yeah, it's it's the right move. Um, Dave, do they do they take advantage of you up there? I, th- I think a little bit. I think when I play board games with like family and friends who aren't like super board gamers, um, everyone just expects like, oh man, Dave plays games. We you know gotta gotta really try, and they just they're just mean, like. I'm not, I'm not, I play a lot of board games, but I'm really not good at board games. It's kind of sad. Um, so, cause you know, the, the last time you mentioned when you played the, um, the fruit game, <laughs> Michelle, Michelle really, really kind of laid it in on you. Oh yeah. I hope you don't have to go through that abuse often. Um, relatively. I, I, I play a lot of co-op games. Um, competition gets a little stiff. At times, I will admit. Um, that's why, but we, we play, you know, indirect competitive, you know, that's why, we, you know, Ascension's really good. Um, i trying to think what else. Splendor is really good. Um, but, like, the Take That games, although I guess King, King Domino is indirectly competitive, except for the, the ability to steal tiles and screw up people's drafts. Um, but I think a lot of, a lot of drafting games have that, though. Oh man, if you ever play Citadels, Citadels is brutal. It's so, so mean. Um, 
Although I might, I'll, I'll talk about that one in a later episode when it's more fresh in my mind. Uh, Citadels is a fantastic uh, card drafting game. I think it's uh, I think it's Bruno Cathala who designed that one. Um, if I'm wrong, it's 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 the other Bruno. I can't remember his name. Mars. Bruno Mars. Do you? Th- yeah. Do you really? He 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 gave up on uh, on his singing career and was just like, oh oh, I'm gonna go make board. Oh, Bruno Fenduti. Uh I was buying you time. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I really thought it was Bruno Cathal. I'm I'm sad. But yeah, Bruno Faduti, uh, whose name I'm probably butchering. Um, but yeah, he did Citadels, which is a really, really fun game. And it, it does like up to eight people, too. Um, so it ends up being like a really nice... I wouldn't classify as a party game, but um, good for larger groups of people. Um, but yeah, that was King Domino. I still haven't tried Queen Domino, which is the expansion... Uh, also ups it to five players um but i got them both at the same time in a uh blind auction uh oh was that at con con yeah at con con um and so i haven't i haven't broken out queen uh queen domino yet um but i will it it makes it i think it makes it significantly longer too i think it turns it into like a 30 to 45 minute game um so I'm not sure how I'm not sure what it adds. Uh, I'm pretty interested, but I'm still having a lot of fun with King Domino, so I just haven't added it in yet. Uh, next up is it's nothing new. It's been out for several years, uh, but it is the PC game. Uh, I think it's on Switch now too, actually. Uh, but the game is called Darkest Dungeon, uh, and Darkest Dungeon is it, it hits a sweet spot for me. Um, I am. A sucker for dungeon crawlers. Um, I absolutely love them. I love them to death. You know, I will go back and play. You know, classic, even like first-person dungeon crawlers, um, like way back in like early PC game days. Um, and Darkest Dungeon just hits like this really serious itch for me. Uh, it was originally a Kickstarter video game and one of the early big successes. Um, and it is a so it, it's a two D. Uh, side-scrolling dungeon crawler where you have a party of four heroes um, and you're basically just going through and adventuring through uh, a series of dungeons where you're fighting monsters, collecting treasure, um, selling off treasure to upgrade kind of your your town that you've come into, um, all the while trying to progress far enough into the, you know, the game's namesake, the darkest dungeon to defeat... um, I want to say necromancer, but I don't think it's it. Uh, I think it's it, I think it's like a Cthulhu monster, um, because the game has very very serious, um, like HP Lovecraftian ties. Because um, like all of the cults in the game are like uh, Cthulhu or like Zag Zagtharath, I think is the name, um, kind of cult. So it's lots of like tentacle monsters and eldritch portals and things like that. So it has that very eldritch horror vibe to it, except in medieval times. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, a bit roguelike, it's not procedurally generated, but, um, there's that element of, like, going and doing multiple tries. Um, the game is brutally hard, um, and pretty unforgiving, um, because there is permanent character death. Um, so if you go into a dungeon with one of your parties, I think you can get up to 16 adventurers, like, in your camp. 
And then when you delve into the dungeon, you take a party of four. Um, but if you're down there and someone gets killed in the dungeon, like that's it. Like they're they're they are gone forever. And the game has that Dark Souls style of autosave where anytime something of weight happens, it immediately saves the game. So there's no going back. Uh, and that makes it pretty brutal. There's also permanent status effects um, throughout the game. You'll your heroes will be gaining stress. Uh, which, if it gets high enough, they'll go through what's called a test of character, um, where as soon as they hit 100, which is the... I think when they hit 100 and they hit 200 stress, um, they do a test of character, and it can either lead to like them you know, breaking through and doing a heroic action and getting a permanent buff, or them succumbing to the Eldritch Horrors, and you'll get a guy who has like mania or kleptophobia or you know the fear of the dark... Um, and there's, there's tons and tons of permanent sanity damages, um, and physical damages and, and kind of the other side of the spectrum as well. Some of which you can cure by like sending them to the hospital or the church or the insane asylum, um, paying a, a good fee to try and fix them. Um, but yeah, over time you're leveling up, finding new actions, people are going insane and, uh, it gets it gets really hard towards the end. Sometimes it feels a little unfair. I've definitely had some moments where I was like getting ready to throw the controller. I was so angry at just like <laughs> my luck. Like you just go in, like because you do you go into the dungeon and you buy you buy supplies and you're trying to manage your supplies and manage your health because healing is not a super great resource. Like you have a healer, but they can only heal in combat, and it's not for a lot. Um, and you just kind of like have to prepare the best you can and you go into the dungeon and, oh no, I ran out of shovels. So now I have to have my people dig through this corpse pile barehanded and they all suffer (laughs) like 30 sanity damage. And I'm like, great. great." And and now, and then like someone takes a test of character and they become, um, like, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, like trying to think of a good one. Oh, like where they become like Satanists essentially. And as soon as that happens, like, for the rest of the dungeon, as you're walking through, they'll just, like, make comments about how evil the world is and start degrading everyone else's sanity. It's just, it's bad. And, like, you can always, like, escape rope out of there, but your heroes take major sanity damage because of the experience of, like, having to bug out at the last minute. Um, so, yeah, it's super hard. The permanent character death is rough, but uh, if you like dungeon crawlers... Um, it really like hits that spot like no other video game I've played in a really long time. Um, so I definitely recommend it. It's got a great like gritty cartoon art style um, and a huge community. Uh, it also does have an expansion. Uh, I think uh, I think came out maybe maybe six months ago. Um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. I think it I think it's vampire driven because um, it has has some like red death or something. Um, just checking on it now. Uh, oh no, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, the latest DLC for it is The Color of Madness, um, which adds in a couple of new characters and some new dungeons and stuff. Um, I think there, oh, there was one before that. Uh, the other expansion was The Crimson Court, um, which I don't know a ton about, but it really makes me think vampires. Um, but I'm not sure, but. Yeah, I would definitely take a look. I think it's on Steam for like 20 bucks now. Um, ton of fun. I really love it, even though it makes me angry. Yeah, I was going to say, the art style seems pretty cool. And I usually, whenever uh, I'm on Twitch or whatever, and I have something up in the background, 
I know some of the in-between matches, some people will pull that up on their screen and then just like play it in between things. So it seems pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely one of those games where like if you find yourself with like twenty minutes to spare, like you could just yeah. you could just jump in and run a dungeon. Um, and just like to scratch that edge, just be like, you know, I could I could do with a dungeon run right about now. Uh, yeah, like it's nice every so often to have a game that's not like constant or nonstop, like actually have something that you could either pause or if I need to minimize the screen to do something, it's not like, oh, I'm dying in the meantime. Yeah, I mean, it's really it, it, it is great that way. And, you know, the combat is all turn based. Um, I mean, the only thing you have to worry about, but you can just pause the game is that like you're you do have torchlight that kind of is continually going down over time. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can just pause the game. It's not, it's not like a dark souls where, um, there is no pause and going into the menu doesn't do everything, anything at all, which dark souls is not fun. Like if you're sitting at home and like somebody needs you for something or like there's a knock at the door, it's yeah. like, especially if you're alive and it's like, Oh, you were invaded while you were gone. It's like, Oh, that's not fair. Uh-huh. I don't I, I don't miss Dark Souls sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been actually itching to play um what's it called? Um Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. I still haven't like really beaten it. But I wanna play it and I remember why I stopped and that's kinda why I haven't played it. Yeah, I, I was doing a new game plus run of Dark Souls three and I'm probably uh, almost three quarters of the way through. Um and I had some just really just shitty invasions. Um, and I haven't played it in three weeks. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I don't know. It gets me mad, but like, it, it's like Dark Souls is definitely one of those games, or Darkest Dungeon too, that's like always in the back of my mind. They're like, ah, oh, I should really play that again. Like, that was really fun. Um, yeah, but yeah, super hard. Um, so next up, uh, so I did, uh, while my brother and sister all were up, uh, I showed my brother the movie... Uh, a movie called What We Do in the Shadows, um, which the I so this is the second time I've watched it, and it's definitely kind of climbing up my personal chart of favorite movies. Um, so What We Do in the Shadows is a kind of mockumentary uh, directed by uh, Taka Watiti, and who, if people don't know, he is um, half of Flight of the Concords, um, and I believe he also just recently directed. Uh, Thor Ragnarok, which was weird to see. I I think Jermaine from Flight of the Concords is in there because I think he just did something else for them for Flight of the Concords. Oh really? Yeah. Oh my bad. It's uh it's Brett and Jermaine. Right, right, right. Um, he he is associated with it though. Yeah, I forgot what his connection is, but I know he's something involved there too yeah that's right he's not one of the main characters but he does i wonder if he has a writing credit in it and that's what it is um but yeah but taka watiti so he did you know what we do in the shadows he did thor ragnarok um he also did hunt for the wild wilder people which is so freaking good uh with uh, i believe vigo mortensen is in that mm-hmm. um oh no not vigo mortensen jeez oh, i'm i'm totally screwing up everything sam neil sam neil God, I'm thinking of a different movie entirely. 
Um, yeah, that was what Captain Fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> which I just recently saw, and I was like, the the both like in the wilderness, big beard, and I was like, oh yeah, screwing that up. Um, but yeah, so what we do in the shadows? So it's a mockumentary where basically if you took uh, like real world, like the old MTV reality show, and made real world the show, but with vampires, um, and not just like any vampires, but like. If you took four vampires and each one was from a very distinctly different like period, um, so you have one of the roommates' name is Peter, and he's essentially Nosferatu. Um, then you have uh, Vladislav, who is kind of like the the token Dracula, uh, who's very much like a um, like uh, uh, what is her name? Who did Queen of the Damned? Oh, a, a, like an Anne Rice vampire. Um, and then I'm trying to think, uh, you have some, uh, like, really, really, I'm trying, I can't remember the other two vampires, but they're all are from very distinctive time periods, so they each fit that trope, and, like, seeing them interact with each other is just kind of dumb and ridiculous. Um, and you just have moments where, like, it's, it's centered around their, the, like, the, the annual, like, undead ball. So, like, they're all getting ready for the ball, and, like, Vladislav is, like, worried about seeing his ex-girlfriend, and uh, what he's going to do about that, and they have encounters with werewolves, um, who are all, like, strangely polite and, like, nice guys. Like, one of their big quotes is um, their alpha male, like, yells at them every time they swear, because they're werewolves, not swearwolves. Have you seen this? No. <laughs> you indeed went to go see it and i was unavailable yeah, it's so it's good a, i think right now it's free on amazon prime it is you now. can just stream it it's so funny like they're just in the park and i was like oh is that werewolves and they're just like oh goddamn vampire he's like no no we're werewolves not swearwolves um and then they just have like a random human show up named uh i'm trying to, is it deacon i think it's deacon uh no, Deacon is the the other vampire with the without the beard that oh, does the dance for them. Right, right. I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, oh, is Stu? Maybe I think it was. It was. I know it was like a super normal name. I think it was. Oh, Nick. Is it Nick? I can't. I can't remember anymore. Um, who like gets invited in because his best friend was accidentally turned into a vampire, and he like never talks, and he's just this IT guy who's like. Hey, I'm I'm good at stuff, and I'll I'll help you guys oh, out. Oh wait, yeah, that is Stu. Oh, okay, uh, and he just like doesn't talk much and hangs out, and it's it's just so funny. And like these vampires from like the 1400s, and Stu is showing them how to like use like Skype and you know video chat people. Uh, it's it's like it, it has moments where it's very subtly funny, and other times it just like just in your face. With like the werewolf like jokes and like the encounters of the werewolves, it is so funny. And just seeing it again this weekend, I was like, "Oh man, I forgot how good this was." Um, yeah, it holds up. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so like Tim said, it is now free on Amazon Prime Video, to, so you can just go on and stream it. Um, it is amazing. Uh, and actually, I did just check. So Vladislav is uh, uh, Jermaine from Flight of the Concords. Um, oh, okay, yeah. So there's that that extra uh bit in it but yeah super funny the whole thing um kind of takes place in uh 
I don't think I, I'm not sure if it's specifically Australia, um, but in that area. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of weird, like not weird, but like it's just different. Like the references are all different. Um, so it's a, a bit of a oh, so a bit of a I guess kind of change from the American viewers. Uh, but yeah, super funny, so worth worth a watch. Definitely go do it. Um, and then the last thing I did, it was just kind of an ongoing thing I've had this week, which, so, so way back in the day, um, crack.com had a, uh, a video content creation side where they did basically a ton of, uh, YouTube series, series, YouTube series. Um, and this was before the whole, I don't want to call it cracked gate, but I will. Um, where essentially Cracked was bought out by another company and they decided that their video content wasn't worth anything because it cost too much to make. So they cut all their video production and fired everyone on the video team, which is terrible because they had tons of really, really good people on their video team, uh, especially like Soren Bowie, who was amazing. Um, you had Daniel O'Brien, who was amazing. Um, who also, I guess, was doing a side hustle of being like a historian because he now has two published novels about different periods of history, which is weird. Um, huh. uh, I'm trying to think. There was a few others, but uh, some of them have moved on to other series. Um, some of them are now writing for different comedy series. But it was really just sad to see that end. Um, but for the longest time, I was keeping up very closely with one of their series called... Uh, Cracked After Hours. Uh, yes. Which, oh, such a good series. Which was essentially, it got um, uh, Daniel O'Brien, Soren Bowie, um, two of the others. It's killing me that I can't remember who else was on Cracked After uh, Hours. It was Swain and Katie Willard. Right, Michael Swain, Katie Willard. Thank you. Um, and it was them, and they would film in like some weird middle-of-nowhere diner and just have... Kind of, I mean, scripted conversations about different weird pop culture topics. Um, but there were pop culture topics and, like, scripted conversations that were some of the most well-researched dives into pop culture I've ever seen. And, you know, they were both hilarious and entertaining and incredibly uh, intelligent and the way they looked at pop culture and some of the dives they did and looking at different um, kind of common pop culture conspiracy theories um, and different, like, connections. Like, um, there was one really good episode where they talked about the conspiracy theory... Yeah, conspiracy. Um, about how the Pixar universe... Uh, the, how all Pixar movies take place in the same universe and how it's actually just a giant uh, story, a giant post-apocalypse story about how machines rise up and to kind of destroy humanity in the world. Um, and yeah, it was just, it, it came, it popped up as a YouTube recommendation, even though I'd seen the whole series. Uh, and I've just kind of fallen back into it. It's like such just a fun series. And I had some, so many good memories of it that I just, I just love watching it again. Um, Nick, did you, did you watch this too? I think you mentioned it a while back. I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did it too. The same thing, like on and off. Mm-hmm. Like I'm actually gonna look them up now because I don't remember any of their episodes off the top of my head. The the Pixar one comes to mind. Yeah, but I know they had a few other ones where, um, this is the type of stuff that you would talk about with your friends after like going out for drinks or even like 
our current podcast, I can imagine us talking about something like this if we digress enough. <laughs> just just revisit like, these cracked ideas, yeah. Um, the best movie hell to end up in. Which ghost movie was the best? Mm-hmm. Casper Ghostbusters. Um, with what movie ghost would you rather be haunted by? Six movies whose timelines don't add up. Disney princes are bad role models for boys. Which is actually, that's kind of true. Mm-hmm, it's true. Um, yeah, I think there was one recently. Just recently, I saw that. Like, what is the best Disney kingdom to live in? Uh, where it's essentially just like they're all technically terrible. The only one that's worth that that's actually slightly decent is the only one we know barely anything about, and that's uh, Prince Eric's from um, the Little Mermaid. Because we know nothing about his kingdom whatsoever. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm I've just been going through it, and I think there's like six seasons of it. Um, so it's going to take me a little bit, but I've just loved going through all of them. And they're all still relevant conversations because they're all kind of c- classic uh, borderline nostalgia pop culture conversations. Um, but yeah, so that is my week. Tim, what uh, what have you been doing? Uh, I've mostly been watching movies and whatnot the past week. Mm-hmm. Um, the other day I ended up going to the drive-in in... I think it's Mansfield, Connecticut, and Sarah and I went to go see The Nun, which is the kind of spin-off prequel to The Conjuring 2. I was gonna, if you uh, guys have seen those. Yeah, I've seen uh let's see, I saw The Conjuring and then I saw The Conjuring movie with The Doll. Was it Anne? Or, oh, Annabelle. Annabelle, right. Um Yeah, it's Oh good. Oh no, I was just going to say I was curious. Someone had mentioned that it was linked to those films, but I I wasn't sure, and I hadn't seen it yet, so I, I I wasn't sure how it was connected. Yeah, so like they did the Conjuring, and then at the very beginning of the Conjuring, they mention Annabelle the doll, and like that isn't the main story, but it plays like a background piece in the first one. So then they did Annabelle as a side story to explain the history of the doll, and then they ended up doing a prequel to that annabelle creation where the doll gets created and how the entire thing starts and how the doll gets possessed and get of all that stuff which annabelle was not very good annabelle creation was actually surprisingly pretty good um Mm. if you're looking for like a kind of a, a creepy possession demonic movie annabelle creation i feel is much more worth your time than watching the annabelle movie and you don't really need to know annabelle to see annabelle creation it just ties up nicely at the the very end where like the last two minutes of the movie is the first two minutes of the uh annabelle movie oh so it, that's like cool. lines up that way yeah and then the um they ended up doing conjuring 2 and then in conjuring 2 they end up encountering the demon that takes the shape of the nun and then they ended up doing the nun as kind of the side story to explain that and then that one wraps directly into The Conjuring 2 for you. So it's the prequel leading up to that story. Uh, overall, skippable. Hmm. <laughs> they spend way too much time trying to put a focus on CGI that seems not very good or thought out. Um, I had a lot of issues with points where they would end up showing the CGI. And it would be, if you're going to do show CGI, or if you're going to show the monster how about we reduce the amount of time you show us the monster that way when you do show it it actually looks good rather than spacing a team out to rather than 
okay, it's going to pop up for three minutes throughout the whole film to it's going to show up every five minutes throughout the entire movie. So they have to keep doing all of this stuff for it. It didn't end up looking very good. And it wasn't like they went for the the creepy aesthetic of um, kind of things, kind of the woman in black scenario with uh, Daniel Radcliffe of they don't show you anything up front. It's a lot of like different things walking in the background or other creepy things and things moving. And then it leads, builds that tension up for a scare. This one is like four minutes into the movie. They just drop like jump scares on you. And then every five minutes, it's like they just drop another jump scare out of nowhere. Um, and that's all they relied on pretty much the whole movie. So overall it, the, the acting in it was pretty good. I mean, I like the cast and whatnot. It has, um, Tisa Farmiga, who is Vera Farmiga's sister, who plays Lorraine Warren in the Conjuring movies, and she played on Bates Motel. This is her sister playing uh, one of the nuns in this one, and she does a pretty good job, and the rest of the cast does a pretty good job. But overall, it just is, doesn't really save the fact that they rely way too heavy on jump scares, and they try to do way too much CGI work in it. Isn't that like every horror movie, though? Lately? Um, I don't know. I mean, there's still like there's a lot of good ones coming out um, that don't necessarily have to rely on all the the CGI. I know a lot of like the indie ones are going more the route like practical effects. Like I know I mentioned a while back, like The Void or mm. um, the, the uh, Hereditary that we mentioned the other week. Like, granted, there's still some CGI here and there where it's needed, but it's more so used for like generating backgrounds or generating things that it's not necessarily like the creatures. So they end up actually using practical creature makeup or doing stuff like that. Cause this, like once you've seen one after effects shot of them doing a ghost face, like with the, where the face turns and it, like the eyes are dark and the mouth goes wide and whatnot. I mean, that's stuff that we've seen since high school and you can find tutorials online to do it yourself so seeing it in a movie now it just seems lazy. Yeah, I've I've always found that I I much prefer practical effects in horror films. Um, I think I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just my perspective, the ones I've seen. But I think in horror films, particularly, it's harder to get practical effects wrong than CGI. I don't know. Maybe, I, I might be wrong on that, but I just feel like I've seen so many horror films with bad CGI and so few with bad practical effects. Um, that I just feel like it works better. Like I'm, I'm even thinking of back to the old, um, like Hellraiser films, uh, which had tons and tons of, uh, gore and, and, you know, even the, like the cherub characters, uh, done with all sorts of practical effects. Uh, and they look great and they're terrifying and gross and horrible. And I don't think there was really a situation, even in those films, which was back in the mid eighties, um, that I looked at it and was like, oh, that looks stupid. Yeah. Um, where nowadays I, I see CGI more and more often and I'm just like, oh, that, that doesn't look great. They could have done better. Um, yeah, like I, I know it's probably cheaper for them overall, but I feel like practical effects is becoming a lost art. Mm -hmm. Because even when they did the practical effects, like actually I was watching um, after I'd seen The Nun, I ended up watching another kind of um, demonic nun type movie called Dark Waters from 1993, um, where pretty much it's about an it's actually on Shutter, available for free now if anybody has Verve or whatever. But it's about a, a woman who ends up going to this island um, and researching this convent of nuns. 
uh, because she knows that she's like somehow involved with them or whatever. And she starts delving into it and finding out that it's the nuns. It's like some satanic cult there. And it's like raising a demon or something like that. And I feel like that took the whole concept that they were trying to do in the nun and took it to a better spot from there. And then they do some practical effects that even though they're not perfect, just the fact that the practical effects, they just look more unnerving because it's like, it's that uncanny look to it of, well, that kind of looks like a person's face, but it's not natural. So it's kind of creepy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I prefer practical effects. I think at the end of the day, like you mentioned, uh, the void, which had a little bit of CG, especially around the ending, um, yeah. but whose practical effects were just super on point. Um, and they were, I mean, until you're getting towards the finale, they were still used pretty sparingly, um, but were used to really, really great effect. Um, and even, you know, even working around trying to avoid using some of those, you know, special or practical effects in general, I find you can do a ton with horror films, even outside of that. Um so yeah, that's sad to see. I you know I've been kind of a a not eh, maybe like a background fan of The Conjuring, um, especially how they've kind of accidentally done this really great like universe building where there's now like the Conjuring universe, um, yeah. which is like the second franchise to do that outside of Marvel. Um, I guess unless of course you consider uh, the Dark Universe. <laughs> <laughs> which has worked out so amazingly well. I mean, who who didn't love Tom Cruise in in The Mummy? I mean, I I know I thought it was dumb, but yeah, I'm sure I mean, that the dozen or so people that saw it probably liked it. <laughs> I remember my uh, my dad ended up turning on The Mummy because we were like, we usually like Tom Cruise movies. We'll give it a shot, and we started watching it, and he's like, isn't aren't we just watching American werewolf in London, but instead it's with a mummy because mm-hmm. the whole thing is like him and his buddy. And then his buddy gets killed. Then his buddy comes back from the dead and is like slowly deteriorating and still talking to him throughout the movie as they're doing stuff. And it's like, I feel like that's ripped directly from American werewolf in London. Yeah. I was also just mad when they announced it. It's like, Oh, Tom Cruise in the mummy, which has nothing to do with the other mummy movie uh, with Brendan Fraser, oh. which was, amazing and super fun uh, and way better than this piece of trash <laughs> you know when i first saw the trailer i thought they were taking mission impossible in a whole new direction <laughs> <laughs> oh i would have loved like, it oh, all right i could get into this and then you know the mummy shit starts happening i'm like man they're they're, they're trying something new with this one <laughs> ethan if you choose to accept it moscow is overrun with werewolves and then the music kicks in they, they, yeah they just Mission Impossible just goes like mythology with classic monsters. Um, I mean, I don't know. Do you think? Do, do you think they would have John Woo brought in to do the Mummy Two if it was Mission Impossible: <laughs> The Mummy Two? Or I would watch it. Would it be? Would it be the Mummy Two: Mission Impossible or Mission Impossible like Seven: The Mummy? I think it would be Mission Impossible Seven: The Mummy Two. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when it was first announced, like, Brendan Fraser just won the internet when he put out a tweet that was just like, what was wrong with the first one? <laughs> it was like nothing. Yeah, I, it was so good. You and, like, Rachel Weiss just killed it. They ended up doing a uh, double feature at the drive-in of The Mummy, the original, well, not the original, but the Brendan Fraser mm-hmm. Mummy and uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh. And The Mummy 
still holds up. I mean, granted, some of the CGI, but like movie wise, it's a fun action flick. Yeah, like, like you you just sprinkle a horror theme on an action movie, and like good to go. I mean, that kind of reminds me of like Resident Evil Four and why I love that so much. It was like oh, action game with a little sprinkle of horror just to like make it interesting and a little different. Yeah, and it's a shame that Brendan Fraser didn't end up getting more of those like leading man action roles during that time while he was still like at the top of his game coming off Mummy. Because I feel like he, his character in The Mummy was funny. Mm-hmm. It was good action. Would have watched dozen movies with that. I, I know. He really he had a really interesting niche. Um, and it's really sad that he didn't really get much. Uh, I was really upset because, like, the beginning of his career was, you know, he, he kind of got shafted, you know, doing Deadly Do-Right and uh, George of the Jungle. Um, but then, like, he hit the mummy uh, and it was like, oh, man, like, awesome. Like, he found he found his place, like the, the quirky action film. Um, yeah. And, and then quirky action films kind of started to die down for more serious stuff. Um, yeah, because I know like he had other stuff, but I feel like aside from like Blast from the Past, Airheads, um, Gods and Monsters, I think he was in Looney Tunes back in action. Yeah, but which was actually really good. Was it really? Yeah, yeah, it's worth was, watching. Was that the one with Steve Martin as like the villain or something? Yes. Was it? Wow, really? Yeah. So Dave, check that one out. Um, but yeah, I feel like at all of a sudden it hit one point that I just didn't see anything else from him for a while yeah so brendan fraser if you listen to this podcast please uh proposition for a mummy four yeah i was sad or well mm. mummy two two yeah or mummy just, mummy two I, I two for, because mummy four was 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 it was it four Nobody, no it was three the jade yeah. uh whatever and, and no nobody's gonna see the mummy four but they would probably see a sequel to the or maybe they'll see a sequel to his first mummy. Yeah. <laughs> so the mummy one two. Well, just take it in a different direction, right? Uh, I feel like I've heard this conversation, except about Doom, where uh, what was it? How? Okay, so there was Doom one through four, and then there was Doom, which was a remake of the no, which wasn't a remake, which was technically it was Doom two two. And now they're making Doom Two, which I think is going to be technically like Doom, like I don't, I don't know. I, I heard I was listening to a podcast where they were breaking it down in the timeline of Doom, and it was that kind of situation where it's like a remake, like it was like the first one was a remake, and then the second one is going to be a sequel to the first one or to the second. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, because the new one's going to be Doom Eternal. Yeah. But um, there was actually a cool podcast that, um, if you listen to it, called Arcadeology, mm. that their first, uh, originally the guy did a bunch of YouTube videos, but then started doing a podcast for some of his like interview things. But every so often, he'll throw like a short episode up that's just like a brief history of a certain game. So he ended up doing an episode on Doom where he walked through the uh, creation of like ID or id software and like their breakout into all the doom games and then how that Romero broke off and did Daikatana and all that. <laughs> so like, it's, it's kind of cool if you have like 13 minutes to spare to take like pre doom up to current doom in uh, 13 minutes. Hmm. So it's, it's pretty fun. Yeah. They just did another one on Tetris recently. Um, that's cool. That kind of reminds me of the, uh, the, did you know gaming 
uh, YouTube channel, which does something similar. They do like 15 minute episodes that highlights a certain game franchise. Um, but before I go into anything else, I just wanted to, to backtrack slightly when you mentioned Daikatana and my, <laughs> my very serious laughter at one of the worst games ever made. Uh, right, right up there was Superman 64 uh, and the Aquaman game for Xbox. Um, man, Daikatana was bad. Oh, well, and and John Romero like, was like so like into himself during the creation of it. Well, I mean, I feel like it was partially because Daikatana just wasn't great. Which, if that was the only case, then it would just fall with all the other games that weren't that great. But the fact that they hyped it up so long, it took so long, and the marketing campaign was just like flat ads saying John Romero's about to make you his bitch. I know. Oh, man. and then they released Daikatana, and it's like, well. I don't think not this time, John. Yeah, oh, I just remember that. I was like, "Oh, John Murray's gonna make you his bitch." Daikatana comes out. Wow, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, so it's. I think we at some point I want to kind of cover all the '90s um, gaming marketing things that were just terrible ideas. Like I think it was Shadow Man or something that they were originally um, buying up, like permission to put ads on tombstones and cemeteries for shadow man well yeah they had a they had a whole thing where if uh what was it it i think shadow man if if you change if like you're you change your name and your kid's name to like shadow man characters you would get something um yeah or was that turok i can't remember something like that that might have been the turok one because i think um yeah, because Shadow Man's Second Coming was uh, where they were placing advertisements on tombstones and graveyards. Which, I mean, at, <laughs> at what point does somebody throw that out in a boardroom and they're like, no, yeah, that's our best marketing idea. Yeah. I mean, nowadays that would work because social media is a thing. But back then people it's just like, pissed. what? I don't know, because people were pissed when people were going through... Um, graveyards trying to play pokemon go when it first came out mm, that's true and that's just people walking around cemeteries let alone defacing graves true which they're nice to walk around like during the day when they're open because they're yeah. they're very pretty and there's not a lot of people around and it's nice um uh, oh but yeah so turok was uh they were going to pay you ten thousand dollars if you named your baby turok uh that was back in 2002 but that's pretty good well, I missed that boat. You did. I mean, you still got time. I mean, not to win the contest, but to name a future child Turok. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> not like there's been a good Turok movie, a movie, a, a, a good Turok game for like eight years, but yeah. You know, it's this day. I still don't know what Turok's about. <laughs> it's just kind of like, yeah, I just like flashbacks to like the N64 game. You start the game. You're you're a Native American man with a bow and arrow, and there's dinosaurs. Nick, that's it's, that's the story. There you go. I I know, but it's spawned like <laughs> three sequels, and I I just kind of still want to know what's going on. I think they were just yeah, because yeah, because then all of a sudden it started getting more sci-fi because Turok Two Seeds of Evil, when all of a sudden you have like the insectoid aliens, and you get like your tech bow and the cerebral boar and all these weird alien weapons. 
And then three, I barely remember three. Two was my jam, and then I liked Rage Wars on N64, mm. the multiplayer one. I remember playing that at um, our friend Brian's house after school all the time. I think that, Dave, you remember that? I think that was the GameCube one, actually. Uh, I don't remember. I don't know. I don't remember, You're probably right. I don't remember either. But like the battle royale, and that was really uh, not battle royale. The uh, death match was really good in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think Turok was just a variation on the same concept. It's just Native American man, dinosaurs, and then that was the first one and then after that they were just like native american man dinosaur plus aliens and then plus ghosts and <laughs> then they just ran out of ideas after ghosts i get they never did ghosts by the way that's just me um wish listing i don't would i play that i probably would i mean that sounds pretty good i would play a game of like ghosts versus dinosaurs i think they ended up doing a I don't know if it was a remake or a reboot to Turok years later, because I think there was one in the past, like, five years or something. Was it really? They rem- that came yeah, out. They, they remade it on Steam. Well, no, they... they um, that thing with the... Um, remastered. Oh, I see. Uh, the one I was thinking of was 2008. They did an actual reboot to the series with just Turok. It was in uh, 2008 for 360, PS3, and PC. But evidently, that was like a completely different one. Hmm. Although I feel like I want to replay it. I feel like Turok kind of got some of its thunder stolen by the um, uh, what is that open world game uh, that's had like four, four or so games now. Um, it started off as like you were like an ex-military guy infiltrating an island with terrorists on it. Um, oh, Far Cry! Far Cry! There we go. Um, I feel like Far Cry has really kind of taken over where Turok was, especially when they had, um, what was it, Far Cry Blood something? Primal? Uh, oh, uh, Far Cry Blood Dragon. Uh, but yeah, you're right with, oh, uh, with like Primal as well. I mean, probably more accurate with Primal than Blood Dragon, which was... That was the, the, that was the 80s. Yeah, the, the, the future 80s punk thing. Yeah, Far Cry Primal, <laughs> which is like the Ice Age. Yeah, that, that fits more. Um, and they'll probably they'll probably do dinosaurs at some point, I'm sure. Well, yeah, I think they did. Actually, in Primal, I forget what it was. I played Primal for like a couple days and then put it back down because then Far Cry 5 came out and then I ended up just playing that. Mm. Um, oh, I think there actually were some dinosaurs. I know like their big headliner was having Wooly Madness. But looking at a couple screenshots, yeah. it looks like there were some dinosaurs. So I guess that... I th- oh, I think they... Did they actually run a poll, I think? way back when uh for what people wanted for the new far cry i think there was like do you want dinosaurs do you want blood dragon 2 uh do you want like something else um i think people just voted for dinosaurs so that's what i think they gave us all three because then they did some other blood dragon thing they gave us primal and then they gave us far cry 5 that was like a domestic cult thing Oh, was it really? Oh, right, yeah. right, right. Uh, although I Which think... Five is cool. Five was cool the little bit that I played for it. Um, but so, Blood Dragon 2, I don't think it was the same. I think... I might be even saying this, but there was a Blood Dragon game that was just a, a stunt bike game. Oh, that's what I was thinking of. Uh, which was still actually really fun if you like those stunt bike games. Um, I'm trying to remember the actual... what the series is called. Um, but it was, it was actually really fun and it had like that, that same, oh, it was Trials and it was called Trials of the Blood Dragon. Um, and it was just like super fun and weird and kind of like that eighties 
you know, pop rock kind of thing or glam rock. Uh, it was super fun, but, um, yeah, I, I never got into the Far Cry too much except the devil here and there, but it, it does feel a lot like probably where Turok would be now. Kind of like what, uh, the Nathan Drake did to, um, Laura Croft. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> is, is it the thing now? So, uh, so that's the nun. Um, <laughs> the Nun 2, Blood Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. I feel like I feel like there were a lot of cool thing or cool ideas presented in The Nun that then they just never followed up on. Like the whole point of the the story is that there was a crack in this uh, church, and then it was like opening up a portal for a demon to come out, and then they got like the blood of Jesus Christ and used it to seal the uh, the hole up in there, and then they ended up building the convent that way they can constantly pray to prevent it from opening again man how high were they when they made that script (laughs) but then during the war the bombs dropped and reopened it so now the thing's like out again so it's like it has a very cool like diablo-esque series vibe like if you remember diablo one when it's the uh what was it the castle or the catacombs in town that have the portal down in the bottom that's letting everything loose it seems like that, but then they don't follow up on any of it to make it seem cool. They're just like, oh, yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll go pick up the blood of Jesus and we'll lock this thing down again. Which, have you ever seen Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight? You know, I was just looking at it because I was thinking about it as you were talking. <laughs> yeah, at least like three points through the movie, I'm just like wondering and I'm like, I feel like somebody just watched Demon Knight and they're like, I can probably rewrite this. Because they get the blood of Jesus in the artifact, and they end up spoilers for anybody um, that's out there. They, so they end up getting the relic. So they get the blood of uh, Jesus in the artifact and whatever. So the nun demon is coming after it because it needs to reclaim it. Very much like Demon Knight, except we have a nun instead of Billy Zane. And then like the end way that they defeat the nun is she ends up like cracking the artifact putting the blood in her mouth so the nun picks it up thinking that it's she has the artifact now sees that it's empty and then she spits the blood in her face oh that's like literally the scene from demon knight yeah and i was so like while we were watching the movie i told sarah i'm like if you want to see this done better i'll show you demon knight at some point because that literally just ripped off the end of demon knight but Oh, can we watch? They probably figured how many people saw Demon Knight. Can we go watch Demon Knight now? This is, I, I'm I'm building our schedule for the next time I come down to Massachusetts. We're gonna play Mario I'm, Party. We're gonna watch Demon Knight. <laughs> Daikatana and the Mummy Tutu. <laughs> play Daikatana. Let's not play Daikatana. I'm not I'm not super into that one, uh, especially <laughs> if we play the N64 port of Daikatana, which <laughs> I'm trying to remember. There was a huge problem with it where. To crouch, crouch was like left trigger plus down C, <laughs> and it like it it made the it made the the uh, the game unplayable because like people were getting to like a section where you had to like crawl through a tunnel and literally could not figure out how to how to crouch, <laughs> and you would just get there and be like, oh, maybe I have to backtrack, but no, it was like there was just no instruction on how to crouch. And they just it, it it just wasn't assigned to a single button, so you couldn't even find it. Oh, uh. 
Oh, man. That's yeah, so The Nun, skippable. Um, if you're super into it, cool, go for it, uh, just to kind of round out the Conjuring universe, but you don't really need to see it to kind of know what's going on. They don't really explain much more than they do in Conjuring 2 anyway. Um, the other movie that we ended up seeing, actually, Nick and I went to go see, is The Predator, the new one. Oh. Um, I liked it better than Predators. I think a lot of the writing kind of disappointed me <laughs> as far as uh, compared to some of Shane Black's other stuff, like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or The uh, the Good Guys and whatnot. Oh, I didn't realize um, Shane Black did it. Wow. Yeah. Like, it's still it's still fun. Um, and it's still cool, but overall, there's a lot of parts that I just kind of roll my eyes at that. I don't know if that was intentional that he's like purposely making things ridiculous just so everybody would like roll their eyes at the obnoxious action movie cliches and things like that. Or if it's just like, that's his playbook now. But, um, I actually, I blame guardians of the galaxy for the state of current um, action movies. Really? I can see that. Why, wait, why yeah. is that? Because Guardians made action funny. And every movie after Guardians all have that same kind of flow to all of the... everything that happens on screen. Oh, yeah. And it, well, if that's the case, why doesn't Brendan Fraser get jobs, huh? Um, Monkey Bone. That, no, that oh, was, that's the other one. Mon- Monkey Bone was good. I liked Monkey Bone. It was panned at first. I it, it achieved cult status. I liked it. it wh- but why are you using it he, against me in the argument if you think it's good? Because I don't. <laughs> what I think versus what happened are two separate things. Just make what you have. What happened? What you think, Nick? Just just make what happened. What you then? Th- why <laughs> then? Why are you saying he's unemployed? Because in my I'm, my, I, no, I'm saying he's unemployed because he is unemployed. Um, he is not unemployed. He actually now has a gig going on. And um, uh, damn you! I was about to do it myself. Because I know for a while it was just he chose not to do anything. Right? Because he, he, you know, probably bowed out at a point once he stopped getting like offers for stuff he wanted. Um, he's going to be in uh, Doom Patrol, which is currently in pre-production. And be robot. And the Poison Rose. And oh, he's actually the field. Oh, that's actually going to be cool. What the Poison Rose? No, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol is pretty much X-Men before X-Men was X-Men. They ended up releasing... Like, Doom Patrol was a comic that they ended up releasing... I think it was, like, shortly before X-Men got released or something. Mm -hmm. But Doom Patrol was originally... um, Like, uh, I forgot his name, but it's another leader of the group in a wheelchair. And then his team. And um, evidently, Brendan Fraser is playing one of the team. But then a couple months later, they ended up releasing X-Men at Marvel that was a guy in a wheelchair leading a team. And I think it was like one's tagline, like Doom Patrol's tagline was the, uh, what is it, like the weirdest heroes of them all. And then X-Men's was the strangest heroes of them all. And they came out like super close together. But there was a lot of stuff going on between like ideas getting stolen. So... There was always a lot of bad blood on, like, did they just steal Doom Patrol and turn it into X-Men so they can make money at Marvel? Mm. And I'm, I'm looking There's at... There's a lot of that, though. Yeah, I'm, look- yeah. A lot of that. I'm looking at the Cliff Steele character, and I can totally see Brendan Fraser doing it. I think it's, it's yeah. interesting. Um, so, sorry, uh, Brendan. 
Mr. Fraser, if you're listening, uh, you are not unemployed, and you are choosing some pretty good roles. It looks like so. You know, at you. first, at first, I thought we would have had Brendan Fraser as a listener, and then you had to go and say that. And now, you know, I love your work. I'm sorry, but maybe we can cut that out in editing. We might. We might have to. Uh, I don't. I don't want to <laughs> alienate him. I know he is probably one of our listeners. Um, I I deeply apologize for what we said about your employment status. I'm excited. Don't rope us in with we. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm excited yeah. to see. I'm excited for Doom Patrol though. I wonder what it's going to be on. It doesn't say what uh, what channel's picking it up. I don't know, but now I'm actually kind of excited about that. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it does not say who's picking it up. Is DC making their own streaming service? Probably. They already did. Oh, because it's like the the poster. If you click on Doom Patrol, it says only on DC Universe. Oh, oh that's kind of disappointing. But I kind of want to watch it though. Mm. But just for that, <laughs> not their Teen Titans series or any of these other things they're working on. I would subscribe though to the DC Universe um, channel. I would mean, you? they're they're ho- yeah, their Hollywood movies are shit, but their animated stuff. It's hard to track down and watch all of them. That's they're true. They're not always on Netflix. They're animated. And if they were to, if they well, had I mean, it like, all on that, yeah, I'd watch it. Like Batman animated series, Superman Adventures, uh, Young Justice, all of their good animated stuff, I already own somewhere in the house. <laughs> so if you want it, I have it. I'm not going in your room. <laughs> it's, I'll, I'll put it in a neutral location. I'll good. hollow out a tree in the backyard. Excellent. <laughs> But um, also, um, speaking of DC, did we hear about how Henry Cavill is dropped out as Superman now? Is it? Yeah, they they official? got they got rid of him, didn't they? I thought he was retiring, and then he wasn't. Then he was, and he wasn't. I don't I don't know what to believe. Uh, the last I heard is he was no longer going to be Superman, and then Ben Affleck was no longer going to be Batman for DC. Well, I mean, who cares? I mean. Kevin Conroy is the only real Batman anyway. Oh, this is uh yeah, it's official. He's he is gone. Good for him. Yeah, which like I felt like he did a good job as Superman. I just wish they gave him better stuff to work with cuz I didn't hate the Justice League movie, but I certainly didn't enjoy it. It felt cobbled together and not well planned and then they ended up adding in a bunch of really forced jokes. Just because they knew that, oh, that's what everybody likes from Avengers. Yeah, the Guardians problem, as I mentioned. Yeah, which is Not- disappointing because it's like I grew up on the DC stuff. So like Justice League would have been the one I was excited about. And now it ends up being all the Avengers movies that I end up going to see because DC is disappointing these days. Yeah, it's weird how like how bad DC has done with its, its major motion pictures. Like outside of Wonder Woman... Um, that. Which even that was a mediocre movie. Right, like, which, it was like, better than the rest of them. Right, and she's does a good job, but overall it was just like they yeah. just they they literally copied Marvel's formula, and then was pleasantly surprised that it worked. Right, but, like when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, that was that was pretty good." Like I came in with really terribly low expectations, and that was pretty good. Um, it was. It certainly wasn't, you know, Captain America Winter Soldier, where I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) 
For a DC yeah. movie, it was phenomenal, but it's nothing that we haven't seen already before. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and I don't know how to feel about the new Aquaman movie. I just finally saw a trailer for it, and it <sighs> yeah, it, it looks I'm like not. it's going to be pretty. Um, so have you seen the side-by-side comparison of the Aquaman trailer and the Black Panther trailer? Oh, no. man. It's bad. It's real bad. There's there's some shots in the trailer that are are like nearly identical. I'm not seeing it, but I didn't have any intention of seeing it even before the trailers came out. I mean that's true. I've I've never been a DC fan and I've certainly never been an Aquaman fan. Um and nothing that they've come out with has inspired me to change my mind about their major films. Which is unfortunate because their animated features are great. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember specifically. There was um, the fla- the the one where the Flash uh, goes. Oh, he, Flashpoint Paradox. Yes, where he goes back in time to change the fact uh, that his mother was killed, um, and it ends up changing the timeline entirely. Where like Aquaman and Wonder Woman are at war with each other. Uh, Superman landed. Superman's like babycraft landed in um what's the name of his city uh well they ended up find like the government found him and put him in an underground facility right because so he, like, he never ended up getting the light he never like gets strong right because he he ends up landing in like a major city instead of like out in the middle of nowhere in the, the yeah. farm um so it changes everything and like uh oh and like the whole changing batman to where um it wasn't bruce wayne's parents that were killed it was bruce wayne that was killed and then his father becomes batman and his mother becomes the joker um it was just like such a really fun twist uh on the whole premise and i really liked it um but yeah but but like the major films are just so they're so cobbled together in this Zack snyder you know three minute clip uh, music video style that it's just i can't stand them yeah, like I'll probably end up seeing Aquaman because I've loved Aquaman like comics and whatnot over the years. And I feel like seeing it on the big screen, it looks like a, the kind of movie that's going to look nice on a big screen and kind of lose something if you're watching it on like your home TV. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, like I'm not expecting it to be good. I'm expecting to just walk out and be like, oh, that looked cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely a few of those out there. Yeah, so as far as the, the Predator... Liked it better than Predators. Um, overall, I'll probably end up picking it up when it finally ends up coming out. But it was it was okay. It's one of those movies that they introduce a bunch of characters in the beginning, give like unnecessary backstory to all of them, just so you know that. Oh, okay. So n- I immediately know all the people that will not be seeing the end credits. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. I thought the ending was weak, but. The whole rest of it was pretty good. No, was it a remake of The Predator or Nope. It was a yeah. sequel. But yeah. But it's called Predator, right? Well, I yeah. mean, they're doing the we don't like numbers thing because if we put Predator 3 on it, nobody's going to go see it because they didn't see Predator 1 and 2. Oh, I hate that. They really just need to stop doing that because you have that whole thing where it's like they'll they'll number the first 3, but then like four five and six are like embarrassing numbers so they have to switch to a subtitle but then like you'll hit a point where like they'll bring the numbers back because it's like wow we've been around forever are you talking about fate of the furious (laughs) (laughs) 
But yeah, the the only thing that's going to be weird is they set it up for a sequel. So now what? The sequel is going to be The Predator 2. And then you're going to have what? Predator, Predator 2, The Predator, The Predator 2. Did you watch or did you read the um, trivia to it? I have not. Or um, there was one review. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure on it after only watching it once. But there is a possibility that this movie might have actually made AVP canon. Really? Yeah. I'm not. Because I know Tim's racking his brain now, trying to think like how, how, where. There's that one point where you see a bunch of relics from previous Predator movies, and one of them uh-huh. was the staff that was given to um, the chick at the end of, or no, not at the end of, it was the staff that was she created with the other Predator. Was it the exact staff? Because I know in Predator 2, he had the staff as well. No, this was not like a nice looking staff. This is one that looked like it was just made. Or not just made, you know, um, like cobbled together, not prefabricated. Uh, I'm I'm not sure if I'm happy about that, considering my opinion on the AVP movies. Well, the movie was shit, but still, at least it was... I feel like I would rather distance myself from those. Yeah. That way, if they wanted to do, like, the Predator versus the Aliens movie, they can do that without having to do AVP, AVP 2. Honestly, I look at it more like the subtle nod that they did with Predator 2 and seeing the alien skull on the wall, not having any real meaning behind it, but just, yeah, we we know that you guys like comic books and there's the AVP comics, and yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll give a nod to it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's it's like the same universe, just, so yeah, why not? Yeah. That or they're just opening it up so that just in case they ever need to make more money. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, definitely it's worth checking out. Um, I don't know maybe about going to see it in the theater, but definitely checking it out when it comes out to see it at home. Some CGI that was a little disappointing here and there, but it doesn't completely ruin the movie. And they did use practical effects a lot. Oh, Call yeah. to our conversation earlier. Mm. I, I mean, I'm, I'll, I will be excited for the sequel, uh, The Predator 2 to The Predatoriest. I'm still waiting for the Predator versus the Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or or would it be the Predators versus the Alien or the Predators versus the Alien? I mean, you have a franchise right there. You could do the, <laughs> the Predator versus the Alien. Then you figure out who wins and then they come back with more. So then it becomes the Predator versus the Aliens. And then, you know, the Aliens win. So then it's the Predators versus the Aliens and then versus Batman probably. This is where they end up. This is where they end up having like nine Batman books out at a time, and you have to follow like Batman Eternal, Batman Dark Knight. It's going to end up being well. I like Predator, and I like Predators, but I don't follow the Predator. But I do follow the Predator versus Aliens, but not Predator versus the Aliens. But Tim, this this really happened though when we had the death of Superman, and then you had to pick which Superman comic do you follow? Do you follow? Do you follow the Return of Superman? Yeah. Do you, do you follow Superboy or the Metal Superman or Supergirl? Or, I mean, I had them all. That's uh, true. I mean, they weren't quality. That's true. I liked the Metal <laughs> Superman kind of in concept. I liked him. Well, it was I. Uh, I forget if that was just Metallo or what the case was. It's been ages since I've oh, broken I think, those. I think out. it was Steel actually who just kind of took it. It was. Yeah. Oh uh, well, there was also like a, a fake cyborg Superman. Oh, Metallo destroy. destroy. 
<laughs> yeah, because um, I forget who that was originally. Yeah, because it, it wasn't Metallo. Um, it was Hank Henshaw. That's what it was. Oh, I see. Tim showed yeah. me a YouTube video where it kind of explained the whole history <laughs> of the death and return of Superman. Let me see if I can find the name of the guy that made it's, it. Uh, it's Max Landis, John Landis' son. He's yeah. the one who wrote Chronicle. Yeah, it's by Adjacent TV. It's got 3.3 million views on YouTube, and it's like a 15-minute video. And they actually got like some pretty big-name actors to perform in it and he offhandedly explains the whole history from like the leading up to the death and the eventual return of superman and it's hilarious and how he has it set up oh man I was, yeah, I I think was, like, oh, oh god i think like elijah woods one of the superman in it mm-hmm. michael moore uh, no, ah, michael moore mandy moore <laughs> michael moore um She's in. i was just looking at pictures and i forgot that there was gun-toting glasses wearing superman <laughs> oh man so good not uh the leather jacket sunglasses undercut superboy <laughs> i mean he had a, he had a look it was a look you know i mean it, it was a solid 90s look yeah it just really dates the comic now yeah it kind of does um oh man old comic like uh illustrators like those styles um, or I'm trying to think. There was the Marvel illustrator who never drew people's feet. Um, oh, Rob Liefeld. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone just, he doesn't know how to draw feet. He just either keeps them out of frame or they're just kind of rectangles for some reason. Yeah, but he could he could draw the pants off some pouches. Yeah, he could. Pouches and chains. Man. Yeah. If you had, you know, pouch girl and chain man, he would just draw the shit out of it. <laughs> I'm like thinking about old Wolverine comics that he did and just like Wolverine what what do you put in your pouches you don't you don't have stuff to bring with you yeah uh 90s I feel like there's very few like I'll read some of the, the a lot of the earlier stuff and whatnot and then I hit the 90s and there's very few series I could read just because it gets too ridiculous with the art yeah. That and the coloring always went like berserk. That they were like, "We're going to just use neons. It's going to be like Suspiria out here." I know. I'm, I'm I'm glad with it, can. But on a side note, I think I, I think I have this week's podcast episode name with uh, Pouch Boy and Chain Girl. <laughs> the further adventures of Pouch Boy and Chain Girl. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> oh man. So um, yeah, so that's the Predator. Um, as far as actually, since we were talking about comics i've been reading secret empire this uh while i've been traveling right now i'm in puerto rico this week and on the flight i was reading through it it's the marvel big kind of summer crossover from 2017 but the whole point of it is the cosmic cube um if anybody's familiar with the cosmic cube it's like the tesseract um pretty much they ended up rewriting steve rogers backstory and like his history that he's always been a hydra double agent and he's the leader of hydra so it's him like doing this grand chess match of setting everything in place to take over the world as hydra and then like take over all the other superheroes and whatnot it's a big kind of board shakeup in the marvel universe if you guys follow it, I don't know if you follow Marvel anymore, Dave. 
but um, uh, he- here and there, like when I pick, I, p- I pick stuff up every so often, but I, I haven't like dedicatedly followed anything in a while, unfortunately. Like the, I've been following here and there a lot of the stuff, and I've been getting back into Marvel a bit more lately. Um, while I've been traveling, especially like the X Men books lately, and getting back into some of the other ones. But um, I know a lot of the ones I was reading, they were doing tie-ins with Secret Empire. So I figured, like, I just have to read it just so I can put it into my brain um, at some point. But it's like 500 pages or something like that. Um, It's gotten good reviews, I know, and a lot of people ended up liking it. But a lot of people were annoyed at the whole shift thing of Captain America ended up being a Hydra soldier. So it's it's kind of if you liked Flashpoint Paradox, you'd probably end up liking this because it's that same thing of like that twist to it. Um, yeah, to I, kind of like the normal setup. Yeah, for some reason, whenever they do kind of like we- weird little variations or like even though I didn't like the game, the Injustice games, I thought the twist in the storyline made it made it pretty interesting. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry i know i know this is an audio medium but i'll put this up in the show notes but there is a picture of the uh, rob liefeld style pouch man who is just a big beefy man made of pouches holding a gun made of pouches with an ammo belt made of pouches and it's so good oh <laughs> all right sorry yeah, if you um, like those kind of like the shake-up books and whatnot, um, another cool one that you probably would end up liking is a couple years back, they spun off of, I think it was Uncanny Avengers, where the Red Skull ends up getting Professor Xavier's brain because Prese- <laughs> uh, Professor X <laughs> Professor X is he's dead following the Avengers versus X-Men miniseries. Oh. So he ends up taking his brain and like using it to end up pretty much doing a mass hypnosis on everybody. So everyone ends up just kind of flip-flopping. So all of the evil people start acting good and all of the superheroes end up going evil and whatnot. So only like certain people aren't affected, but then you end up with a lot of like one shot books and whatnot of like the friendly neighborhood carnage and all these other things. So it's, if you'd like like Flashpoint Paradox, you'd probably end up liking that just because it's a lot of that really different look at a lot of these characters and how things are going to be working. But that didn't last too long. They ended up flip-flapping it back around after, like I think, the eight issues were done. Uh, okay, sorry. For some reason, just like the whole thought process of like he got access to, Matt, to um, Professor Xavier's brain just like just gives me... Like flashbacks to like the man with the screaming brain or the man with two brains. <laughs> That's just all I can think of. Yeah, it's there's a lot of wacky stuff going on out there in Marvel these days. But yeah, Secret Empire is pretty cool so far. I'll um, probably pop back in with more comic stuff in the next couple of weeks, only because I'm playing catch up on a lot of things. Um, but I did last thing on my news see a movie that I haven't seen ever and it's been out for going on like two decades at this point um we were killing time one morning and sarah asked me if i'd ever seen good burger and i had not what so i watched good burger for the first time i originally first step into a larger world 
originally I figured like it would be bad. Kind of Just like, say it. You you I, thought it was going to be fucking terrible. I thought it was going to be a, like an hour and a half all that skit, <laughs> and it was an at, at some point somebody slipped an actual movie in there. And it ended up, I'd say it fits in well with all the other like 90s comedies and whatnot. It doesn't feel like a TV movie that, or like a a TV show that got turned into a movie. It just feels like an actual 90s movie. I really enjoyed it. It's like like how SNL did a bunch of their own movies and not all of them were good. Yeah. This one, I feel like it's unofficially an SNL movie that surpassed its expectation yeah because i feel like they did a lot of snl movies and they ended up hitting it with like oh blues brothers or things all that i don't i think this is the only all that spinoff movie but i feel like this would be their version of like hey they ended up getting really successful with something good burger i think holds up now because i still laughed at a bunch of parts um even though i've never seen it before I'm trying to think. What do you remember? What the other all that movies were? I'm I'm not having any other ones come to mind. The only thing that could come to mind is the. Um, I don't think they got a movie. I think they got their own show. No, it wasn't all that. I'm sorry, because I was thinking of um, Action League Now. Oh, okay. Well, because I, I but I, they I, didn't. I'm, yeah, they didn't get a movie. They just, they. I think they only got their own true spinoff. Okay, because I remember like Keenan and Kel eventually got their own show. Yeah, and then Amanda got the Amanda show. Ugh, that was bad. And then I think, and then Drake Bell was on the Amanda show, and then he ended up getting Drake and Josh with Josh Peck, which was surprisingly decent. I never watched it. I grew out of Nickelodeon at that point. Uh, although to be fair, I think the best thing about Drake and Josh was later on they they did like a prank on the show iCarly, which was also surprisingly good. Um, where the lead in iCarly was the their little sister in the Drake and Josh show, and they like go and they crash. They basically crash the set, thinking that like they are Drake and Josh and she's the character from the old show, and they just have like this really kind of weird, funny moment where they're like, "Wait, what are you doing here? Where is mom and dad?" And like just freaking out, like not like all. It was like. The insinuation was it was like a weird alternate universe like crossover, but it was really just like this mini little prank. Uh, and it was quite, <laughs> it was pretty funny actually. Yeah. So I don't know what your uh, your thoughts are on Good Burger, but it's in my top ten. Top ten. Yes. Oh, top ten. We're gonna have to do a what else is on Nick's top ten if Good Burger is up there. This is why the Academy won't give us a popular category. Why <laughs> well, does I have taste? <laughs> no, because you know the internet in general, plus a significant amount of 4chan, would be like, "All right, people's and the people's choice for Oscar is good, good burger." Okay, we did this to ourselves. There's a, there's a groundswell for Good Burger. We should re-release it in theaters to become an Oscar contender. It's like you know what? If- right, didn't, hey, you know, um, Keenan just got a, an Emmy. Did he really? He did, man. Yep. Although, like for the academy, it's like, well, if we loaded the gun and pointed it at our foot, it's only our <laughs> fault if we went off. <laughs> yeah, I feel like whenever they give that option out there to the public, somebody's going to find a way to like weaponize their team and 
make bogus votes. Oh, That's yeah. how we end up with Bodie McBoatface yeah. for that other uh, because thing. because there's there's internet communities out there of you know highly skilled individuals who were who are able to weapon weaponize like five thousand teenagers who just yeah. want to troll people. So, good burger. Um, contender for this year's Academy Awards. Popular <laughs> well, I mean, if um, what is it? Uh, I want Death Squad, Death Team, Suicide Squad uh, can win <laughs> can win an Oscar for best makeup. Uh, maybe Good Burger can get in there. That's true. I felt it's... you know honestly, I feel like the Academy did that just to troll the people. Well, I just hate it because, and I don't think they have done this, but I'm just waiting for the time when they advertise they advertise Suicide Squad. They're like Suicide Squad, uh, Emmy, uh, Oscar award winning film now on Blu-ray. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like no, your movie Criterion Collection. <laughs> yeah, your movie was trash. <laughs> oh, I have to pay. $50 for like a, a gold disc criterion collection of Suicide Squad. Oh, I can't wait. Cannot wait. Uh, that, that's that's like such a troll move. Can you picture now on like AMC when they do the like 21 days of Oscars or 28 days of Oscars? <laughs> and Suicide Squad. And uh, once they say Robert Osborne has to come out and he's like, I present to you Academy Award winner, <laughs> Suicide Squad. <laughs> Oh man! I just want to see the look on his face when he would have to announce that. And actually, like we're sitting here today with Jared Leto. <laughs> oh, oh man! It was so bad. The only thing I feel bad for is like Will Smith, like genuinely, like showed up for that movie. Honestly, the movie wasn't terrible. It there was no point where I wanted to walk out of it. Yeah. To me, that is the the definition of a bad movie. And too many movies get that bad rap of like, oh, this was garbage. Batman like 2. It, it, it was – that was bad, but it was more of a train wreck that I needed to see how it ended. Uh, see, I didn't. Did not. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. But no, feel- Suicide Squad, just it was, uh, it was a hot mess because you could tell five different people directed it, but only one person got credit for it. Mm. Oh, uh, just before we continue – uh, I misspoke. Batman three, the one with Bane, not with Joker. The Joker one was pretty good. Um, oh, I thought you meant I thought you meant Batman v Superman. Oh no no no! I meant of the uh, the Dark Knight. Well, that too. The Dark Knight series. Um, the second one was good. Uh, the writing was meh, but um, uh, what's his name who played the the Joker carried that film. So actually, like I feel like everybody loves the second dark knight movie and that was my least favorite of the three really i mean i thought heath now i remember it i thought heath ledger did a great job with the joker but i thought the writing was pretty poor um i still think i think it was you i feel you don't like the dark knight in the same vein that i don't like la la land almost in the same vein and i don't like la la land because it blew up overnight and it became viral and popular and i don't like that gloves being thrown i feel like it's because growing up with the animated series and whatnot, I had a Joker in my head that I really enjoyed. And then Heath Ledger's was not the Joker. He was just a crazy guy. Hey, well, you know, right back at you that I had um, Jack Nicholson as my Joker. Yeah. I grew up watching the original Batman movie. And as much as I enjoyed Mark Hamill's version, 
at the time, it was still like for a live action representation of the Joker. I didn't think Mark Hamill's was on the same page because it's two different mediums. I deal with enough of that with Star Wars that I kind of look at all the mediums in a different light because the TV show, I can say a hundred different reasons why it's better, but it'll never come out on the spotlight because it's not the major motion picture that everyone actually goes to see whenever they release one. So I know not as many people may have not, may have, I know not as many people may have seen the animated series, but I know a fuck ton more people saw the original Batman movie with Michael Keaton, and I was comparing that Joker with this one. Yeah. I feel like the the Jack Nicholson Joker was closer to, like, the, more like the Mask of the Phantasm Joker. Hmm. They should just re-release Mask of the Phantasm. They probably should. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of good, a lot of good there, but, but yeah. So that is Good Burger. Last thing, Mobile Minute, sixty seconds. Um, new game that came out recently. I was pre-registered um, on a couple of like random mobile games. It's called Man or Vampire. <laughs> it's kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I... I know I got you hooked. Now let me reel you in. So. It's um, kind of like a strategic RPG game where you end up having a character who's a vampire. You end up getting different people that join your squad that you go on different like, missions and whatnot. It plays kind of like Final Fantasy Tactics where it's a lot of like lining up your shots like go here or you can use abilities that take up like these squares and whatnot. So it's a lot of like grid based play. Um, and then you end up like leveling up all your team. You get different equipment and whatnot. And then in the event that one of your human players on your team like ends up like getting injured or dying or whatnot, you have the option of fighting them so you gain experience so you can level your main character who's a vampire. But it also turns them into a vampire so they can no longer gain experience or level, but it prevents them from dying. So it saves them from dying, but now they're like just locked on to whatever level they're on now. So you can still get more people to replace them on the team, but that's kind of your leveling system. Everybody else just levels normally, but it's kind of fun. Um, if you liked Final Fantasy Tactics and whatnot, it's pretty cool. Um, a lot of it, the same with a lot of the mobile games, they have the option of you to just set it to autoplay, and then it will just run through the missions for you, which I feel like, what's the point of... If the game is boring where you don't want to play it, then why would you even bother putting it on autoplay to come back to it later? So it's the options there. Otherwise, you can play through it yourself. It's kind of fun. It's just going through, killing different monsters, killing the bosses, getting all of your equipment, and then going back to town, leveling up your characters, doing other stuff. So it's kind of like a dungeon delver with Final Fantasy Tactics play. So if you like it, cool. Check it out. That was that was actually surprisingly uh, succinct. Um so it does look it does actually look pretty interesting. Um, it actually looks like there was some good production value into it. Um, where I'm kind of curious, actually, but I just I just want to tell you when. So I saw it in the docket and I was like, oh, that's weird. And then you said it, and I was just like, so so here is here is what I thought man or vampire was going to be. <laughs> like guess who? <laughs> like so, this is a little odd for our podcast, but let's play a little game. So I am going to make an impression. And you guys will have to tell me if I am a man 
or vampire. <laughs> so, <clears throat> sorry. Mm. Hey, everyone. I hate the taste of blood. Man or vampire? That's do, we ri- do we ring in? Do I... Do I- is there lifelines? <laughs> there are no lifelines in Man of Vampire. <laughs> Originally, I thought you were going to make a joke about when I said Man of Vampire, like the Muppet or Man thing from the <laughs> Muppet movie. Um, no, seriously, there's points on the line. I'll, I'll, I'm going to lock in on Man. You're going to go with Man? Nick, what about you? Vampire. That's exactly what um, a, vamp- Ooh, uh, a, a man right. trying to pretend not to be... Crafty, yeah. He's he's trying to lure me in, like like what like in Zim, where he's like, "Yes, I am human. I love doing human things," and everyone's looking at him like, "Yeah, all right, buddy." So if a guy came up to me and it was like, "I hate the taste of blood," it'd be like, "Yo, why stay away from me, vampire?" <laughs> why would a normal guy say, "I hate the taste of blood"? It's a given. All right. Yeah. All right. If that's final answer. Yes. Okay. Well done. That was a reluctant vampire. I feel uh, like that was Nick's version of the scene in Men in Black when he ends up <laughs> leaving all the other aliens and then shooting the girl cut out. <laughs> she you looks like she's guy? in fourth grade. She's walking with those chemistry books. What's she doing with those? On this street at this time of night? You see that guy snarling? That's not a that's not a newspaper in his hand. That's he, he's not snarling. He's sneezing. <laughs> That's a tissue. <laughs> uh, so that is my week. All righty. So done with the weeks. Moving on into the news. So, Dave, did you see the uh, anything on the Nintendo Direct like E three thing that they do every year? Um, so I did catch a little bit of news after it, so I didn't watch it because, uh, with the directs, like the, even like the Sony one and the, uh, the Microsoft one, I don't usually keep too much track of it. Um, but there was actually some interesting news on the board game front. Um. Oh, really? Because after seeing the Luigi's Mansion trailer, I'm really excited. Wait, there was a Luigi's Mansion trailer? Yeah, because they, they made a sequel. I love Luigi's Mansion. That's like one of my favorite GameCube games. And then when I heard they made a sequel, I was really excited until I found out it was on the DS. I wasn't thrilled. Oh. I wanted it on a console release. It's I mean, it, the DS game wasn't bad. It was kind of weird getting used to the way that the controller was set up. But they announced one now for the Switch because it's so portable handheld. I guess they're just adopting more and more titles into it. Mm-hmm. And Luigi's Mansion's next on their docket to uh, come out with, and I'm so happy about that. Oh, see, I never, I never played it. I always heard about it as being like a really fantastic game, um, but I, you know, I wasn't a big Nintendo person. Um, not really sure why, actually. Maybe I, I guess because their third party stuff isn't great. Um, but I never really got to try it. it. I, I assume there's no multiplayer in it, right? Yeah, and there's, there's not. No, that's kind of for. I wish there was at least like a co-op, like Luigi and Waluigi can do it, but. The DS version there might be co-op, but I didn't play it too much. I'll be honest. Mm. Yeah, because I remember it was was it GameCube originally when it came out. It was. Mm. Um. Well, that would be cool. I I I keep seeing things. I'm getting more and more tempted to pick up a Switch, especially because of the mobile side of it. Um, it is. It is nice. Um, 
they have a lot of ports that I've noticed that are coming over from Steam. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, the PC Master Race, yada yada. But <laughs> at the end of the day, sometimes I just I just want to sit on my couch and veg out mm-hmm. and play games. And now I can play some of my favorite games on it, especially too with um, the touchscreen capability that you can do so much with the Switch. You a lot of games that are point and click you can now do on the thing itself. Like one of the announcements they did was City Skylines, which I was kind of surprised to hear about because games like that where it's um, just Sim City mm-hmm. or like something that really needs not so much a mouse and keyboard, but a mouse to be played on a console always yeah. seemed weird. Like the, the Jurassic Park Evolution game that came out, I wouldn't imagine playing that on a a console, right? And I, or just I always it's a park builder. I also remember when uh, I think it was Command and Conquer went on to like I think it was like the N sixty four, where like a yeah. really hardcore like war strategy game, like really like on a controller, like that doesn't even have mouse support at that point. I, I just couldn't yeah. imagine playing that style of game with with a with a controller. Like, ugh. yeah, no way. So with Switch, the, that opens up to the realm of a lot of different ports. Which um, there's been quite a bit so far because some of the games that I thought were exclusive, Tim was like, "Oh no, that's been on Steam for a while." Like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> that's but now cool it's though." Mobile. Yeah, that's that. I, I like that. I appreciate that. Nintendo's, I'll admit, kind of lost me over the years a little with just the direction that they've taken some of the things, mm. but <clears throat> they get their points back every now and then with doing little. Like smart things like that. That's I think is brilliant. Because I feel like the Switch is not my main console. So as long as they just release something that I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like every so often, I feel like I didn't waste a purchase. So it's like, okay, cool. Like Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey. So they give me enough stuff that it's something you can just throw in your bag or like pick up or just play in bed and whatnot. And it's not like I really have buyer's remorse on getting a Switch. Wait, the um, I'm waiting, David. Oh, sorry. Uh, well, no, I was about to say, did you say you did or didn't have buyer's remorse? Oh, I don't have buyer's remorse. Oh, okay. For a second, I was like, you what? Okay, no, that makes sense. No, yeah, yeah, I don't because it seems like every so often they're releasing enough stuff and it's spaced well enough that I go back to doing whatever my like main console or do my PC stuff and whatnot, and then I'll always have something on backup to do on the switch when I'm like not around for it. Mm. So it's, it's planned nicely. I know also the, uh, what Nick was talking about there on the, the direct that they're also talking about the final fantasies. I think it was like seven, eight, nine and 12 or something like that. They're bringing over all the final fantasy remasters to switch now, uh, coming next year. Snap. That is, that is pretty snappable. Um, actually, Which, like actually, that alone is nice. I uh, I downloaded a bunch of them for for Steam actually, uh, and I I haven't played through them. I was just really hankering for like old school JRPGs, so one day I just kind of went on a spree and picked up a couple of the old Final Fantasies. Um, think like Tales of Symphonia, um, and a few others. Wait, what? Chrono Trigger. No, you know, I've never played Chrono Trigger. I've I've only had a situation where I watched someone play Chrono Trigger. It's good. Is that, is that, the, is that the Super Nintendo or the PlayStation one? Uh, that one was, I believe, Super Nintendo. Yeah. And then Chrono Cross was PlayStation. Uh, I get the two mixed up. Yeah, I, I want to go back and play some JRPGs. Like, I've always wanted to play... Like, I've always wanted to play Chrono Trigger. 
um, and I've always wanted to play um, Legend of Dragoon. Well, I played half of that. I, I just I ended up dropping it off at a point. But is it uh, Xenogears? I think or Xenos? Oh yeah. Well, they have Xenogears, I think, and Xenoblade. Uh, the PlayStation One. Uh, Xenogears. I think that, yeah, I think that's Gears. Yeah, and I've always wanted to play that as well. There's there's a bunch of like those. Oh man, sorry, I just looked up Xenogears and like I just remembered Vagrant Story. Oh, I think I still I miss. Uh, do you, Do you remember Shadow Hearts? Shadow Hearts for PS2. Mm, I don't think so. It uh, oh. was very um, kind of like Devil May Cry, but it's a an RPG that for the combat system, it's all turn based as normal, but when you attack, it puts a dial up on the screen that spins and then you have to time your attacks to determine like the bonus damage. But the whole thing is like the guy can transform, like you end up encountering different demons and whatnot. So he keeps going like into this other graveyard realm and then he comes back with the ability to like transform into different demons. Oh, this does look interesting. It's got like a cool horror theme to it. That's nice. That's one of the main ones that like, I really miss that we don't get like a remaster or we don't get like a re-release of that because that one I like I loved back on PS2 and then I just can't get anything that plays it. No, get out of here. That was last week. You can't talk about those things anymore. <laughs> you missed your chance. I don't listen to our series. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, back to the Nintendo Direct. Um, I mean, the one thing that I was looking at, so uh, there was a announcement during the direct from Asmodee Digital, which um, if you follow board games at all, Asmodee is very slowly, quickly, uh, becoming a, a board game titan, um, owning everyone from uh, Fantasy Flight to Yellow. Eh, do they own Yellow? Uh, I might be speaking too soon on that. Um, they own the, uh, let's see, the publisher who, who put out Settlers of Catan. Um, they, own, they own nearly every large board game uh, publisher. Um, And so Asmodee Digital uh, just announced that they were going to be moving over their kind of key uh, or initial digital board games um, over onto the Switch, which will be very interesting. It will also support local play. Um, So very soon you are going to be able to play um, some of the classic Asmodee-owned board games such as... uh, uh, I think you'll be able to play Carcassonne, Pandemic, uh, Munchkin will be on there. Um, I think Settlers of Catan as well. Uh, yeah, Settlers of Catan will be there. Um, so really kind of big classic games. The only kind of weird outlier is that they are going to be bringing over the Lord of the Rings Living Card Game, which recently just came out on Steam. Um, and that's going to be on April uh, April of 2019. The rest of, the, the rest of those are going to be out quite a bit sooner. Um... But this is going to be really interesting. This is the first time ever we're seeing digital board games on a console. Uh, before now, it's been exclusive to either either mobile or um, PC with you know occasion occasional PC releases. Not too many though. Um, so this will be interesting. Nintendo's taking a pretty big step with this and trying to expand board games a bit more. Um, I did get to play uh, the Carcassonne, uh, Asmodee Digital's Carcassonne, which is a fantastic recreation of the original board game, and is probably one of the 
the better board games out, um, or better classic board games. Uh, it's a fun tile-laying game that's pretty easy to get into. Although in some ways I feel like King Domino has kind of taken over for it. But we'll see. Still, really, really cool to see board games moving over onto consoles uh, and actually getting a pretty good mention during the Nintendo Direct. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm really excited to see more than Monopoly being uh, like made avail- available digitally. Yeah, so I'm, I, I mean, not sick of Monopoly, but you're not sick of Monopoly. Being on the outsider spectrum of board games, I mean, it's the most common one. So you know, it's the gateway game. It is not a gateway game. It is a board game hobby killer. <laughs> <laughs> The Switch version of Monopoly was decent. It had a lot of quality of life things that made life a lot easier and uh, like w- streamlined it. Because I feel like when it does the banking for you and all the moving and it like cool little CGI board and all this stuff, then at least it's not as miserable as playing a real game of Monopoly. We're even thinking, too, the last time we played Mansion to Madness, like, do we have to use the game? Like, all the little tchotchkes and tokens and this and that and, like, set up the game and board and all that. Like, realistically, we don't have to set up the rooms exactly how it tells us to through the game itself. We can just put the monsters down in the pieces, but as long as the tokens represent where we are, we don't need to put down every piece that it requests and save time. And having a more purely digital, you said it was owned by Fantasy Flight? Uh, um, Mansions of Madness? The other way around. Well, no, no. um, the, your, the company you mentioned oh, Asmo, As- Fantasy Flight. Asmo Day, yeah, they do. Yeah, so I can imagine them putting, hopefully... Oh, that's true. I know they're, I know they're making a Mansion of Madness game, but that's not in the same vein of... Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's tables. true. A, a digital version of Mansions of Madness. That would, man, that would be some huge quality of life changes. I mean, there's... Oh, God, yeah. If you were able to do, like, um... Like a pass, not not even a pass and play, but like, just yeah, that would make the game so much easier to play if it just did all of that for you. They should, yeah, they should get on that. Oh, I would, I would probably play Mansions of Madness way more if that was the case, especially if it just had like a oh no we lost hit the reset button and then just just redoes the whole setup. I noticed with Imperial Assault there was some quality of life changes. Mm-hmm. Like, when you do a campaign, it tells you ahead of time what all the tiles you're going to need are. Clearly, you set up the board, like, for the each mission, but Mansions, you had to build it out, and I thought it dragged the game down more every single time. It's like, oh, a new room, and then you have to stop and then look through the massive pile of tiles that you have, find the one that you need, and then you can continue on. Just It halted the game enough times to felt like it's just a car trying to move and someone keeps hitting the brakes. That's my story. That's your story? And are you sticking to it? Mm-hmm. Alrighty, moving on. Um, so, there was a recent release, another board game release. Um, I don't know too much about it, because it was just still kind of a very brief announcement. Um, but there is a 3D Dragon Ball Z board game coming out. Um, the game is being published by USAopoly, who is certainly not my favorite publisher. They have done a lot of not great things. 
Um, but it's Dragon Ball Z, and I'm kind of excited, and it's got this really cool 3D standing board. Um, not a lot is known about the game yet. Um, there's a, a big social element to the game. Uh, so essentially what the game is is that each player gets a uh, essentially a hand of different Dragon Ball Z character cards. Uh, and through card play, have to advance them up this kind of stepped ladder. Um, and kind of go through a, a King of the Hill almost kind of aspect where you're trying to get your characters to stay on the, the top of the, the kind of the steps the longest to earn you points. Um, except that there is kind of a blind, uh, like social voting element to it. Um, where each player only gets a certain amount of yes and no vote cards and basically kind of have to maneuver it so that they are kicking off characters um, who will score the least points while keeping ones to try and earn them points um, and trying to maneuver that whole bit. Um, I don't I don't know so much about the gameplay. The game looks pretty cool, and if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan, it could be also just a really cool collectible item just to have on display, um, just with like the whole like stepped pyramidy thing uh, and all of the character standees. I know, depending on the cost of the game, it might just be fun to have some Dragon Ball Z character stands to play in whatever game you like. Like, for example, uh, retheme King of Tokyo as Dragon Ball Z. Uh, <laughs> that, that makes sense. I'm just like, this. And now we are going to play King of Tokyo, except with Majin Buu, Piccolo, Goku, and Vegeta. Which actually also kind of makes sense. Why not you're just having yeah. them fight over Tokyo? Um all right, yeah. I would actually really play that. Yeah, I actually, and in hindsight, I'm I'm probably going to buy this game so I can play Dragon Ball Z King of Tokyo. Uh, man, why don't we have that? That, that <laughs> sounds so good. Oh, you can just change a couple a couple little things where like energy lets you power up, so you can you can play your different energy attacks. Oh, how, <laughs> let's. Just- how do I buy it and homebrew a uh, King of Tokyo? Tim, how how do I get the licensing for Dragon Ball Z? Go go, let's go find that out. <laughs> Jump on it. Go go make some calls to Bandai. If I figure this one out. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So that's coming out. I'm gonna be watching it. Um. Now purely because I want those standees. Uh. So yeah. That's uh, Dragon Ball Z Power Up board game. Pretty cool. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Um, all right. Uh, so next up on the docket, um, I think Nick had mentioned, uh, wanting to talk about that there is a Alan Wake show that is going to be coming out. Nicholas. It's still really heavy and still early. It was just merely announced, Mm -hmm. but, um, the article really went more along the lines of trying to describe, you know, the game for those that may not have seen it or, and, or heard about it. I remember even when it first came out, Tim played it, and it took me like, <laughs> let's just say I think we were on it. No, we weren't on Xbox One just yet, but it was like early Xbox. It came out, and I didn't play it until the Xbox One was, I think, announced. So it was uh, quite a bit, or quite some time before it was actually launched. But it looks like apparently, uh, Cloak and Dagger and Legion writer Peter Calloway will helm the adapt- adaptation. So hopefully he's able to write up some good stuff with that. Yeah, Legion was actually a pretty good show. I haven't seen Cloak and Dagger. Um, yeah, Legion I'm pretty happy with. 
Yeah, I, I did delve a little bit into Legion, and that was really phenomenal. The game is easily on my own top ten. I was thoroughly surprised on how good it was. Addicting from start to finish. I didn't do any of the um, like the hundred percent stuff. Mm-hmm. I stopped doing that a while a while ago, but. <laughs> Just playing it from start to finish, it was an amazing game. I had very little problems with it. And hearing that it's going to become a TV show, I can see it at least getting one or two seasons trying to explain the mythos. Because it was, you know, it's been so long, I don't even remember it anymore. And I think I might have to just play it through just to experience it again. Because I think it's been long enough that I can replay it and some of the things will be like a surprise. So I think it's been almost like eight or nine years since I last played it. Because I was still, we were still in Connecticut at the time. Yeah, and I know American Nightmare, the like pseudo sequel, was that alone was several years ago. Yeah, so they they plan on trying to uh, like they'll start the story with like from the original game, and I think they'll try to expand more on it later on, and I guess find their footing and whatnot. I guess video games are the next. Um, thing that a lot of companies are going to be trying to rip from like how uh witcher is getting a tv show mm-hmm. now this which which is kind of a weird scenario because you had a book that became a game that'll become a show considering the author hates the witcher games um but he made a really stupid financial deal with them so he ended up just getting screwed it's too bad because i mean it's not like the games are crap no, the games are great. The from what I've heard, the author is just like a total d bag. Oh, like Alan Alan Moore. Yeah, when he came to his properties. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess when they approached him about licensing out the novels for the games, um, he just demanded like an upfront payment, thinking that you know that that's, the games... that's what he gets. Yeah, that's what he gets for underselling his work. Because if he's so mad now, then well, maybe he should have taken royalties instead of an upfront payment. Yeah, and and I can't remember how much it was, but it was not much. Uh, which is sad because The Witcher is now a multi-million-dollar franchise. So, mm-hmm. it's too bad. Yeah, and he's just left with some, I guess, good novels because the game, the story in the game is great. Um, that. You know, just don't really sell. And I don't think... Uh, I'm, I'm. Have they been translated even? I'm not even sure. It's Polish, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm sure they, at this it point... It must be. Sure they, they probably have versions of it with, like, the video game cover. Yeah. Or even without it, but at least to mention, like, hey, this is, you know, uh, based off the... Or rather, this is what the video game is based off of. Yeah. Go check it out. I, uh, like when... Uh, what was it? Um... Dante's Inferno, the game came out. They did Dante's Inferno with with the, the video game screenshot on the cover. The Dante's Inferno. They um, did they only do the one game, or did they do the one game and there was like one or two of the the movies? No, they just the, they just did the one game and the movie. Wait, what? What do you mean? Move? There's a Dante's Inferno movie. Yeah, that's uh, an anime. anime. Yeah. Oh, like the video game movie. Oh yeah, if you hated Dante through the video game, you're going to fucking hate him through the show. I mean, it was a a decent character action game, um except towards the end where like one entire level is just a, a challenge area, which was just lazy. My problem with the game was just it the whole game is just based on, you know, the the 
epic poem, Dante's Inferno. And the character that you play, Dante, has to go through the, you know, the levels of hell to get his wife back. And then as you play the game, you realize how, how much of a horrible person this guy is. Well, I would also say based on the epic poem, uh, I, I actually wouldn't even say based on the epic poem. I, I would I'd probably say they read the title and then they made the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. he was a crusader who tattooed stuff in his chest and read, had a scythe. It was like, no, actually, he was he was just a poet, and he throughout the adventure had bouts of fainting because it was overwhelming, and it was just a, a journey of self discovery and had nothing to do with his wife, and he wasn't a crusader; he was just a poet. And yeah, <laughs> there was no yeah. no fighting involved. <laughs> like you get you go you go on the crusade and then you come back and then you realize death or Satan has your girlfriend and he kills her and he brings her down to the pits of hell and then like as be you being the badass you are you you chase him through hell and then as you uncover through all the levels you see like the horrible sins he's committed and this is just beyond the norm that you ever see in a video game that by the time I hit like the lowest levels of hell. Like, I had no sympathy for this guy to the point where I didn't even want to play it anymore. Like, it's one thing to play the bad guy, but to break it down to the point where this man just committed... He Let me rewind. He, he promised his wife that he would be faithful and would only think of her throughout his entire ordeal. And then, like, the first opportunity he gets, he basically sleeps with women and then commits additional acts of like betrayal against God. And then just some sleazy guy on the podium says, oh, yeah, by the way, all your sins are absolved. Good job. Yeah, it um, although. Hmm. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good. It was not. But I would argue that Dante of the Dante's Inferno game isn't any worse than Kratos. Those are fighting words. What do you mean those are fighting? What Kratos is the worst possible cra- uh, character. Like the only way that you the only way you can redeem Kratos is if you just put the controller down and stop playing. Well, the difference between Kratos and Dante is you know firsthand the crap that he's done before you actually start playing the game. But what about all the stuff he does during the game? <laughs> like what? You're you're right there with him. Like yeah, fuck these gods. We're gonna kill them. For what? Oh, f- f- fuck these gods because they made me kill my own family. Kratos, how'd they do that? They put me in a church with my family. <laughs> <laughs> no, the first one, the first one, he, <clears throat> he, um, does like the Scorpion King deal with Ares and he becomes a, like godlike amongst his people mm-hmm. he gets tricked into killing his own family wait 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 no no stuck- how 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 does Ares trick him i don't remember it's been like a long time since uh seen i played the first oh, one well so he literally just puts him in the same building as them <laughs> where i, I don't ever rude <laughs> i don't i don't <laughs> I don't I don't really believe that dude. No, it is. So so Kratos is in the middle of a blood fury and uh Ares goes to him and says, "Oh, go go to this go to this temple of this other god and kill everyone." And Kratos goes in and he kills everyone and including his family. 
And Kratos then, you know, after killing everyone in the temple, is just like, oh, I'm satiated. And he's like, oh no, my family, you tricked me. They weren't supposed to be here. It's like literally the ruse was, oh yeah, I, I said go here. And oh, your family was there. That that that's it. That that that's the whole the whole thing. <laughs> well, he regardless, he still gets tricked, and then he vows revenge, and then he becomes a new god of war. And then in two, Zeus is like, you know what? You're too good. We're gonna take away your powers. No, and then he gets really. It was not that he was too good. It's he was killing everyone. Well, he was the god of war. I'm not saying I'm not justifying the game was like ethically good. <laughs> Kratos apologist. <laughs> It's like there are sequences where it's like, oh man, I have to keep this door open. How do I keep this door open? I don't know. I'm going to throw this lady in the gears. You do not do that. You do do that. And then it cuts away to like the bone crunching screaming sound. You know what? I bet she had it coming. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've never played any of the games, but. I don't know which way I land now <laughs> after that spirited debate. Oh, all right, moving on. Uh, so I heard uh, word on the street is you discovered another Jurassic Park game. Yes, my my notes literally on the docket. Another Jurassic Park board game. Um, so there's another Jurassic Park board game. It's called Jurassic Park: The Chaos Gene. Um, and while I haven't I didn't play the one that you recently got from Target. The synopsis of this one sounds exactly like the one you played. <laughs> uh, so it's a, an asymmetrical game where someone is playing... Uh, so it's a little expanded. So it's an asymmetrical game uh, where someone is playing as InGen, another person is playing as the Park Visitors, another person is playing as the Raptors, and the final player is the T-Rex. Um, you all have your own goals, and you're all moving around the island, uh, which is made out of hexagonal tiles, trying to pick up objects or kill other players off. That actually really reminds me of, what was the game that we played, um, where there's, like, somebody who plays the cave, somebody who plays the goblins, and they all have uh, their own goals? uh, Vast. Oh, when you come come back down, bring that, because I want to play that without having you know only two hours of sleep yeah no that would definitely help it's not an easy game to learn how to play either um yeah yeah, jurassic park the chaos gene sounds exactly like jurassic park the target game just Ah, more players ah but there's miniatures Uh aha exactly and it's it's made by goddamn mondo (sighs) which means you can get it for a high price for a very limited time, and then you can go on eBay and get it for ten times of that. Exactly. Um, I'm still looking for Mondo Records that came out and disappeared. It leaves me bitter with their company. Yeah, so Mondo, they've already said that this is going to be an extremely limited collector's item release, because this is just what they do. Um, and outside of the initial release, you will no longer be able to get the game. So if you want a mediocre Jurassic Park game put out by a company that makes posters um don't don't buy this don't don't buy this go buy the target one it's the same game it just doesn't have minis and honestly you don't need minis of dinosaurs you can you can go to Michaels 
yeah. or uh, AC Moore and buy mm. buy dinosaur figures. Nope. nope. Yeah, you can. Oh, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you, can. Nope. you can also get dragons and Pegasus. They're too big. What? They're too big. They wouldn't, they, the scale wouldn't work. What do you mean the scale wouldn't work? You make the scale yeah, whatever like you me, want. Like you know what? That that's like that's like us playing Warhammer, but you bring your 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 for the lady people, mm. and then I bring all my like action figures from <laughs> back your in the war, day. Your Warcraft action figures. <laughs> You're like eight inch orc. Hey, as as long as they're on the right base size, I don't care. They're not going to be on the right base. Well, why oh, didn't you wait. put them on the right What's... base size, Nick? We could be well, we could be yours? playing this game right now if you didn't put them on the right base sizes. Well, that's what they had at Michael's. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, as far as this uh, Mondo thing, I didn't realize that Mondo also is the one that puts out the uh, the thing game Infection at Outpost Thirty One. Mm-hmm. I actually see that one in like friendly local game stores, so they might actually have a better. Um, availability or not necessarily do as limited a release on the board game then. So then it'll, it should just come down to do you really care about Jurassic Park, Target, Vast, Clone, or do you want to just get the other version with the uh, without the models? Yeah, so, th- so that's weird about the, uh, the Thing board game um, because when they originally released that, they said it was also going to be very limited. Yeah, and I still see it in stores. So unless it's just that they haven't gotten more stock and it just hasn't sold off yet, mm, or that might what? Be. But... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, in the that the thing board game, which was, um, I believe, although Mondo was kind of attached to it the most, was published by USAopoly. Um, uh, okay, and had that you know that. Um, the 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 actor tie-in um, who played um, Frodo Baggins, Elijah Wood. Yes, thank you. Um, which was just a really weird, random tie-in to have to try and sell a board game. I don't know. It was such a strange thing. Well, Elijah's been backing a ton of horror things because he has a company, I think Spectre Vision, that it produces horror movies because he's a huge horror movie buff. Mm-hmm. So he's. That's probably how they ended up getting him for that. I don't. He probably backed it or something like that. But I know, like his name pops up in a lot of different producer credits or like company credits for a lot of the horror movies I've been watching. Huh. I'm, I'm actually like I'm actually surprised by that. I didn't think that would be his his mo. But yeah, it's he does a lot of cool interviews. If um, popping up on different shows, like I think. I think he might have been on Shockwaves or it might have been Killer POV a while back when he was talking about starting his company. But, um, yeah, he's, like, super into horror movies, so he does a bunch of them. He did, like, the remake of Maniac um, that he actually played in. I think he produces the new movie. I don't know if you've heard about Mandy, the Nicolas Cage movie. No, I don't know that one. it, um, It looks bonkers, and I'm pretty excited for it. It's pretty much like Nicolas Cage's, I think it's like his wife or his girlfriend or whatever it is, ends up getting taken by like this gothic, dark biker gang type thing. They look like biker Cenobites. And then he just like goes crazy, forges an axe and goes on like a rampage looking for. Oh, that sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah, but they're talking about it's supposed to be like the best Nicolas Cage thing he's done in like years, but it's supposed to be just like a hyper violent 
metal, I don't know, horror movie. So check out the trailer. Yeah, I'll, have to, cool. I'll have to take a look at that. What's it called again? Uh, Mandy. Mandy. Okay. Yeah, I will take a look at that. Hmm. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, Tim, I think you have – I'm actually pretty excited about this news if you want to go into it. Yes. So I actually just found out about this today. There is going to be a new Sabrina series coming to Netflix October 26th called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. It is based on the comic series, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, It's not going to be affiliated with like the previous TV series, sitcom and whatnot. But it definitely, originally it's going to be, I think it was like pitched for the CW or something. Mm -hmm. And then they ended up getting it put onto Netflix. So I'm hoping because it's on Netflix, it'll be a little bit more to it than the CW shows. Um, Only because it's some of the team that does Riverdale right now on CW. But the writer who's doing it or working on it, I think, is also the writer who did the actual comic books, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, a couple years back, they ended up doing kind of like a Archie horror line where they did Afterlife with Archie, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and a couple other ones. And I think it all spins off from one another where pretty much the Afterlife with Archie was uh, Jughead's dog gets hit by a car. He goes to Sabrina for help. She does necromancy to bring it back from the dead. It ends up biting Jughead and starts a zombie apocalypse. Jesus Christ. I thought Archie was like... Oh, no. Yeah, like, it's it's a cool book to check out. Like, if Oh, yeah. You... Archie, Archie goes crazy sometimes. Yeah, like, there's a book... Uh, was it Archie and Predator? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's cool to check out. Um, but the... Uh, after Living with Archie... So the whole thing was, while they're, like, trying to go through Riverdale and survive the zombie apocalypse... Um, they're trying to find like Sabrina to reverse it, but because Sabrina did like necromancy to bring something back from the dead, she gets cast into like a hell prison type thing. And she's being watched over by like these Cthulhu-esque HP Lovecraft, like cult things going on. And I think that is where they kind of get into like chilling adventures of Sabrina, where it's like a very dark take on the whole thing. So watching the trailer, it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. It looks a lot less like the sitcom, and it looks more like Sabrina mixed with... Um, do you remember the movie The Witch? No, that one's not ringing a bell for me. Oh, well, if anybody saw The Witch or Hereditary I'd been talking about, it looks closer to that. Um, but definitely check out the, the trailer, because it's like they're doing the creepy happy birthday song, because she's turning 16, and she's like sitting at a table, table and it's like a goat-headed demon sitting there with all like the white-faced people next to them singing Happy Birthday. And it looks creepy. Um, so I'm very excited for it. I think it's going to be interesting, um, especially in time for Halloween. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty excited, too. I, I, that sounds like it's going to be awesome. Um, I, I am only mildly sad that it is not associated with the original Melissa Joan Hart show um, because I had some serious love for that show when I was on. Um but I'm still extremely excited to see this this comic or IP being picked up and done something with. Yeah, plus if you uh, haven't read any of the, the book series, I don't know if you have um, – there's the comic o- or Comixology app. Mm-hmm. If you have, do you have Amazon Prime at all? I do. Um, I'm pretty sure if you have Prime, you get included in for the Comixology or something like oh, that. Really? Where pretty much 
um, where you they give like a pretty much a library of books and you can rent like 50 of them at a time to read. And one of the ones that they have available right now is volume one of Afterlife with Archie. Um, so if you want to see how all of this kind of started and all that kind of backstory and whatnot, it's a cool read. Um, it's I'm actually going back to reread it now because of the announcement of the series. But it's there's a lot of cool stuff aside from that. But that one's one of the ones that's available and pertinent to uh, what we're talking about here. Hmm, cool. I might give that a shot. I didn't know I had any kind of access to that. Um, yep. Although Amazon doesn't really do a great job sometimes telling me what Prime does. Um, <laughs> for the longest time, I did not know like about all of, like the little Prime music perks. Uh, so I'll be excited for that. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure it um, is included in, or if not, I think it might, they might do the the prime trial for it. Mm, um, but I know like it's, it's definitely been worth it for me just for the fact that it's, they have like thousands of books available and then you just kind of check them out, read them. And then usually they'll have at least the first like six or seven issues of a lot of series. So you can check it out enough to see if you like it. Um, so I've been using it. They have like Marvel, they have their own original stuff. They have all of like the, the valiant books. So they have like Harbinger and whatnot. They don't have DC on the Unlimited because DC doesn't want to do the the free service like that. Or, well, not the free service, but they don't want to do like the, the rental service like that, um, which just means I don't read any DC anymore. Oh, that's sad. They really they should yeah. really just play along and participate rather than like yeah. lose people for not. Yeah, because, I mean, it's one of those things where, oh, hey, so I can just read the first six issues of every new Marvel book for the most part and check them out or read like old back issues. But DC, if I want to read, like get a trade paperback of four or five issues, I have to pay like 25 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever it is. I'll pass on that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Plus that was always something that kind of stopped me from collecting comics too heavily. Like I just hate having them around. I, I, find, yeah. I find it so difficult because, like, you spend, like, you know, you spend, like, five, six bucks on a book, and it's like, okay, I read it, and, you know, you might go back and, like, you know, look at some of the artwork more closely, but you really, you're really only going to get a couple a couple hours of enjoyment out of a, an issue, and then it's just like, uh, okay, now I guess I have to store it, because it feels weird to throw away, because it's kind of expensive. Yeah, like... I still go back and reread some of the old ones mm-hmm. and whatnot that I have that I ended up enjoying. Like there's some good older DC series and whatnot that are worth having on a shelf. But between all the trade paperbacks that take up like two bookshelves and then between mine and my brother's like the um, single issues that we have, it's like seven long boxes or whatever back home. And then I have another like two long boxes at the house up in a closet. So between all that, I I don't have anywhere to put more comics. So that's why I've just been doing everything digital because with the Comixology Unlimited, I get the free one or I get like the, the rental ones that I can do for the subscription. And then if I do want to buy anything, I get like another 15% off for being a member. So then I'm able to pick up like when they do their sale days, I was able to go through and buy up like all the X-Men books that I wanted mm. for like, I don't know, it was like 60 or 70% off. Yeah. I might actually have to look into that. Um, See, because that would be awesome to have, like, on my Chromebook uh, to be able to read on. And plus, I feel like it's a lot easier to keep up with any of the series or get into any of the Mm -hmm. series when it's just, oh, that sounds kind of cool. Like, just download it, read it. Oh, I didn't really like that one. And then just get rid of it. 
rather than having to be like, well, I don't want to take a chance on this because I'm going to spend like five bucks for an issue or I'm going to spend like 18 bucks for a trade paperback and then I'm going to read it and be like, eh, and then throw it in a closet somewhere. Yeah, exactly. That's always been the tough thing about comics. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to have to try that out. Or maybe maybe next week I'll, I'll be talking a little bit about my experience of comicsology. Okay. Yeah. Sure. You won't. I, won't. I will. Yeah. You're not my real dad, Nick. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, so check out Sabrina. Definitely check out the trailer. Um, I'm assuming you're going to put the link in the, the show notes for everybody yes, um, during the download. But absolutely check it out. Looks very cool. It is the best minute you'll spend leading up to Halloween uh, as far as trailer-wise. Interesting. I'll take a look right after this. Uh, so that was the news, and I think that's actually going to wrap it up for us. We had an awful long week, it seems. Um, so I, with that, I'm going to go into the outro and say goodnight. So uh, this has been The Scream Lords, Episode 6. Um, thank you all for listening so much. If you want to keep up with us or The Screaming Brain, you can email us at podcast at thescreamingbrain.com that's podcast at thescreamingbrain.com we can also be reached at twitter at one screaming brain uh facebook at the screaming brain or on instagram at the screaming brain uh timothy if anyone wanted to get in contact with you how would they do that you can find me on instagram at mr time or you can find me at Twitter or on Twitter at Mr. Time 0080. That's M I S T E R uh, Time 0080. Uh, and Nick, if anyone want to get in contact with you, how would they reach you? I'm only on Instagram. You can find me at Czar Nicholas 1. Awesome. And just in case I missed it, because I think I might have missed it, uh, you can also follow our blog or kind of what's going up on the publishing side of The Screaming Brain uh, at www.thescreamingbrain.com. Once again, this has been episode six of The Scream Lords. If you liked what you were listening to, please leave us a comment, rating, um, whatever you would like on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed and have a good night. So long. Have a good one, everyone.